I'm a true champion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the State of Wrestling Address. It's a weekly, bi-weekly, sometimes monthly podcast where we talk about the news in professional wrestling. And then when we get bored of that, we generally tend to shoot the breeze, which is why I asked you lovely people to send us some questions. I am, of course, Aaron Nix, wrestler, podcaster, artist, and all-around shitbag that annoys people in the UK wrestling scene. And joining me is somebody who I've managed to dig out from the fucking bottomless pit of nowhere that he seems to disappear to week by week carl wilkinson the duke of diabetes has bothered to turn up for work well it was either me or it was either me or that other guy and there's no way in hell i'm letting him come who's that other guy who's the other guy we all know who it is i don't want to sully the recording is that a guy who um continuously pops up in those like random memes where they show somebody's wanted poster from like you know a local county jail or something he's like wanted for possession of a raccoon and sodomy oh hi jay <laughs> sodomizing the raccoon oh my so yeah all um sodomy and raccoon owning aside um wrestling um people have things to say some good some not so good and wrestling has been quite busy Let's start with something slightly positive before we get into some real fucking shit stirring and real fucking slanging on this podcast. Uh, what do you think about Alistair Black moving to the AE dub and debuting as Malachi Black, fading the black and knocking out, spark out, might I add, Cody Rhodes and Arn Anderson in his wake? I really like the name. I really like the name Malachi Black. It's kind of fitting along with the Alistair theme, it's kind of, like, I don't want to say satanic, even though Alistair Crowley did write the satanic Bible, but that's the whole other thing. It just, I, I like the name. I, I've always liked Alistair Black. Whether or not they use him correctly is going to be another story. But, you know, it's, it's always good to see a good wrestler get a job and get a gig somewhere. So all the luck to him. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm not going to jump on this dumb bandwagon. Like, I'm not the biggest AEW fan. I did watch it this week, um, just because somebody had told me. Now, I was under the impression it was going to be Braun Strowman because you seemed awfully well. You just said that whoever it was was a giant shitbag, and I automatically assume <laughs> when you say giant and shitbag in a sentence that so that's Braun Strowman you're referring to. So I was alarmed at the concept of Braun Strowman turning up because he would literally be twice the size of anyone else on their roster. Bar Lance Archer, who apparently has found a new job beating the shit out of old guys. Um, so, yeah, no, I actually think it's a good pickup. I think for AEW, this is an excellent pickup. Not only are you picking up a good wrestler, but you're picking up somebody who's very creative and he's very unique. There isn't anyone else like Alistair Black, Tommy End, whatever you want to call him. I don't like Malachi Black. I think it's it's good and bad depending on how you look at it it's like an extension of the alistair black character so in some mm -hmm. ways it's continuation i like the continuity with the eye as well i actually think that's really fucking clever not many guys are that dedicated to the craft i really respect that and i've seen the AEW fans shitting on that saying oh i don't want him coming over and continuing wwe storylines he's not he's continuing his own storyline it's not wwe storyline anymore it's his and his alone and i think the idea of him being more creative going forward is going to be very exciting my biggest um, worry isn't to do with him himself. It's to do with the bloated AEW roster. There's so many talents on this roster. Some of them are talent. Some of them are not so talented. 
but either way, there's a lot of bodies running around. So it's very hard to ensure that someone like Malachi Black, as he's now called, is afforded the opportunity to work the storylines, work the angles with the creative freedom he wants to, because Tony Khan is definitely a yes man. We can tell that. I'm sorry, but there is no way you can argue that point. He is more than happy for the majority of wrestlers to run over him and kind of do their own thing, as long as it doesn't, you know, detrimentally affect the program too much which in my opinion it has at times and that's one of the big reasons i don't enjoy it as much as other programming um so my worry is like i say is he going to get enough time this is a guy who needs a 15 20 minute segment every week or every other week he needs promo time he needs to be able to work as well he needs to be able to prove himself on a more main event level because he never really was afforded that opportunity in wwe at least in the main roster um, that's my biggest bugbear. Other than that, I think he's an excellent pickup. I don't think he's part of the we're stealing WWE brigade because for me, he's not a old school talent. He's not a Christian. Ca- you know, fuck me. We're having Christian versus Matt Hardy next week. Like, oh my, come on, man. Fuck me. Like, nine years that been done. It's been done twenty two years ago. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> And by, by 2002, it had been overdone. So, you know, 19 years later, come on. But for someone like Alistair Black, a.k.a. Malachi Black, who I personally think should be called Tommy End, because I think that's really fucking cool. Um, I just think Tommy End's a great name. And also, the crowd were all chanting Tommy End, which shows just how fucking well-known that name is. So you should always strike while the iron's hot in that regard. Uh, I think he's a great pickup. I arguably would say he's AEW's best pickup since they started poaching talents that have fallen into the free market. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I, I think I'd like to see him and Andrade. I think they could do some really neat stuff in AEW because, you know, their NXT stuff was fantastic. Yeah. But, I mean, again, that's another wish. That's wishful thinking, hoping both guys can get on the show every week because they've got 12,217 wrestlers. That's exactly my problem. That's exactly what I fear. And I hope they're going to find a way to deal with that. Uh, it should be pointed out, Alistair Black was actually on a podcast known as Drinks with Johnny. No fucking clue whatsoever. But he did talk about Vince McMahon briefly and also he credited a lot of his rehabilitation to uh, meeting his wife, Zelina Vega, who, let's be honest, would probably rehabilitate a lot of us very quickly. She is so scintillating. Um, it, it was a very long-winded thing, so I shall give you kind of the short notes of it. He basically puts down Zelina Vega as one of the most strongest influences in his life, which is fantastic, and we all like to have love like that. Um, there was a time in my life where I thought that I was going to lose my wrestling career, Black said, because I thought if I wasn't sad... If I wasn't sad or if I wasn't depressed, I wouldn't have any fuel to create. I wouldn't have any fuel to make anything of myself and I would lose all of this stuff that I work for. Um, So he kind of marks down the fact that originally he would use his depression and things of that nature to kind of fuel his creative prowess. And now he's found a way to be able to relatively garner happiness in his life and yet still be able to push through with great creative stuff. Because what he does is, of course, uh, very dark. so, yeah, uh, he also spoke about <laughs> Black went on to reveal that he paid for studio time uh, for a band and even helped write the lyrics before presenting his new theme music that he wanted to use to Vince McMahon. Um, I believe he's referring to the Root of All Evil song. Um, he detailed Vince's reaction in WWE eventually producing their own version. Uh, he said, uh, I paid them 
for studio time and I wrote the lyrics with the front man because I have to have something in each song that is me, Black revealed. And we called the song No Man's Land because the basis premise of the character was going to be he stands on his own and his entire wasteland belongs to no one anymore, not even him. So he's going to burn the whole empire down. He's being in purgatory for so long that he's either going to have complete victory or he's going to drag everyone down. That was the basis of the character. So we recorded the song and I remember sitting with Vince in the office. I said, look, I've got this new song. It's heavy as shit. He was like, all right, let me hear it. So I played a song for him and he's like, does the volume change? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's coming. So he listened to it and he's like, wow, I don't know what the fuck that was. I don't think that was music, but I'm 76 years old. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> um, so I we all asked ourselves that about this weekend. He did say that uh, overall he gave him the okay. Um, and then, of course, you know, lawsuits, things of that nature, get in the way, creativity. Um, he said uh, it, he basically gave me the okay, but for some reason he couldn't mesh it out. So we had all the rights to the song, but I think WWE's worries are, and I understand this part because it has happened to their past, uh, in their past, um, that when they use outside sources and then all of a sudden, even when contractual is done, uh, someone goes, yeah, but I want royalty. So basically the idea was kind of, you know, if you release a talent later down the line or that person's used from an outside perspective, it means that long-term it might be much more of a financial burden to them. You know, for instance, in this case, if Mr. End himself decides to exit the party, but overall, I think overall, um, overall, I think overall, as I said that many times, um, I just think this is a good pickup to be honest. Any final thoughts, mate? No, I mean, I don't really watch Dynamite. I haven't watched it in fucking forever, but, you know, if, if I turn it on and I see Malachi Black, I won't be upset. That's very true. That's very true. Eric Bischoff um, never shuts up, does he? Um, <laughs> uh, although, to be fair, he does have some very good points to make, and I actually quite enjoy listening to him overall as a voice of past wrestling. I feel like a lot of these voices kind of you know, old man shuffle and nobody wants to move on. But he always seems to have his finger on the pulse of what's going on. And I appreciate that. Uh, on his latest podcast, him and Conrad Thompson, Thompson, excuse me, spoke about the ratings drop. I don't know if you've heard, there's been some horrendous ratings lately. Uh, Smackdown lost another 100,000 viewers. A lot of that's down to NBA though, because the NBA finals are currently being aired. Um, this week's uh, AEW Dynamite, I do believe, had its second lowest audience since it moved, um, since NXT moved away from Wednesday nights. Uh, and Impact last week garnered just 69,000 views, despite having Kenny Omega in the main event. Um, so <laughs> Kenny's not drunk. <clears throat> <laughs> careful now, you're not allowed to say that anymore. Um, although, I'll tell you what, speaking of drawing, did you see his cowboy boots on uh, Wednesday night? My lord. I didn't, and I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great to see Hangman Page going after him, but how long have we waited for that? <laughs> A long time. I, I imagine some of those ratings were also low because uh, the Stanley Cup finals were also on. What's that? Uh, you know, the finals for the hockey. What, field hockey? Yeah, yeah, definitely field hockey, dude. Absolutely, it was field Nobody hockey. watches hockey, mate. It's Hank Canada. <laughs> um, how'd it go, by the way? Who, who won the stage? Tampa uh, Bay, yeah, Montreal. Your boy's I mean, lost in the final, right? Yeah. It was a one-goal game. It was a one-nothing game. It was, but you lost the series 4-1, so it was pretty comprehensive, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah so. Poor Carey Price, that's all I can say. Oh, I don't know. Send us messages if you like the ice hockey, um, If you're especially if you're outside of Canada, because obviously it is predominantly a Canadian and American thing. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, basically, uh, in talking to Reyes, this was interesting. This is why I wanted to talk about this on the podcast. So he's on his uh, his podcast, of course, 83 Weeks. Um, and I wonder what that's in reference to. <laughs> um, he said, uh, I think SmackDown probably lost 100,000 viewers to NBA. We've talked about this on the podcast. I've predicted this. I've predicted every Dirt Sheet writer, every headline on the internet is going to say, ratings are plummeting. It's summertime. It happens every fucking year. It's as predictable as the sun coming up and the moon coming up. Uh, the ratings always go down at a consistent percentage in April when daylight savings time kicks in, weather gets nice and people go, yeah, I don't think I'm going to sit in my house and watch TV anymore because I've been COVID contained. I'm going to go to my local tavern and not watch wrestling. Or if I'm going to watch wrestling, I'm going to watch it at the bar, which by the way, doesn't have a Nielsen ratings box. <laughs> Fair assumption. I think people are making way too much over everybody's low ratings. Um, everybody is out. That's what happens. It will come back. Uh, with Bischoff stating that ratings are down during the summer, co-host Conrad Thompson asked if it would be a good time for a wrestling off-season. Bischoff explained why he felt that wouldn't work. He said, I wouldn't vote for an off-season. One of the reasons wrestling works as consistently as it has since the beginning of television time is because it's 52 weeks a year and it tours. If you take 52 weeks out of the equation and now take touring out of the equation, you're going to lose 60% of your audience over the course of five or six years. You lose your connection to the audience. Here's a mistake that a lot of television executives make. They don't understand the audience. The wrestling audience has become so familiar with these characters. They identify with them and live vicariously through them. They're kind of in their own entertainment way addicted to them. If you take them off the air three or four or five months, they find other shit to do and other things to be interested in. The secret source to professional wrestling is that it's 52 weeks a year. If you go down to 26 and you have to start your season over again and you've lost that daily and weekly connection to your audience, six months later, you're going to come back with a new season. Good friggin' luck. What do you think about the concept of an off-season in terms of professional wrestling? Maybe not six months. I think that was probably a little bit dramatic, but more so the idea of having a break, having an off-season where there is no wrestling, um, you know, like, you know, major sporting brands do, for instance. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing because it would give the performers, the writers, literally everyone, time to mentally and physically recharge. Like you're not, you know, out on the house show tour taking unnecessary bumps that we've all seen and then going on to TV and taking the same bump because you practice it for four days. It would let you heal up. There'd be less injuries. I think I, for one, like if I knew wrestling was going to like an off season, I'd be like, okay, I'll watch the last show and then I'll start getting excited a week or two before it's coming back. I'll go, yeah, it's coming back. I can't wait to watch it. I think most fans are like that instead of what Bischoff's saying, you'd lose 60% over like five, six years. I don't think you would. I think people would enjoy having that excitement of it coming back, of fresh storylines. I, I think it's a good idea. I don't agree, actually. I, I agree with Bischoff. I don't think an off-season is good. I think what you need to do is rotate your talent. Um, squad rotation style. This is where football fans are going to love listening to me. Um, proper football, by the way. Well, I say proper football. I love both forms of football, so get over yourselves. Um, for me, I, I think people get... One of the biggest problems with wrestling, and so basically the next 10 or 15 minutes is going to be, how can Kyle and Aaron Nicks fix the ratings problems well for one people are saturated 
So it's worse when you haven't got a live audience there and you haven't got that live feeling like a show feeling when you've mm-hmm. just got these dumb screens. Um, one of the biggest things you can do is not give us the same talents over and over, even if they're really fucking good. I get it. Like Roman Reigns is a massive draw. He kind of has to be out there front and center. He's your Muhammad Ali, you know, he's your John Cena, Hulk Hogan, whatever kind of comparison you want to use, you know, major sporting stars of that nature, Lionel Messi, blah, 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 list goes on. But for instance, who do I care less and less about every week? Drew McIntyre. Now, I love Drew McIntyre. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. I love Drew McIntyre, the human being. I love the Scottish, as you know, and I love shouting, there's the WMP all the fucking time. But Drew McIntyre is on my screen every week. He is on my screen for a large portion of the show every week, cutting a promo. This week, he was talking about how he somehow went behind Loch Ness and got her in a fucking headlock of some size, just... It was one of those moments, you know? It was like, what are you talking about? You are ruining the character. And it's not just because of crappy writing or things of that nature. It's because he's oversaturated. What do you do when you get bored of having the same thing over and over and over that you used to find exciting? You find something else to be exciting. And then you may come back to that later down the line and think, oh, why did I stop eating this lovely dish that I constantly... For instance, if you went to the restaurant and had the same fucking curry every single time, you would eventually get bored of it unless you are an incredibly boring creature of habit. No offense if that's your style, but ultimately that's certainly not me. And the overall encompassing feeling with people is they want variety. They want choice, even if it's in the same thing they're watching. They want to see a consistent level of excellence. And the difference between wrestling and a professional sport, so to say, because I see it as a sport, or at least some people see it as a sport, or at least I know some wrestlers who take it seriously enough for it to look like a sport. The difference is that with professional sports, you always have that undetermined feeling of what could happen anything could happen at any moment even if you know the overriding feeling is the big team will be the small team especially supporting a small football team like i do over here there is always that feeling that somebody could overcome someone could do something special whereas with wrestling even the magical moments where so-and-so overcome they overcome their life story they don't overcome the premise of the wrestling story because nobody really believes it um so in my opinion you should rotate your stars so you know once you realize drew mcintyre you know why do they not have they say they do i don't think they do they need focus groups that zone in on social media they need people who monitor fans reactions they need to continuously be asking fans you know be a little bit more honest and say like have a twitter poll on wwe that says Ladies and gentlemen, Drew McIntyre has got yet another opportunity in the WWE title this Sunday at Hell in a Cell, you know, this weekend at whatever, money in the bank, blah, blah, blah. Do you think it's time for somebody else to step in the frame? And then you can see from the reactions, from the responses, from the replies that people will gauge what kind of interest they have in a person like Drew McIntyre at that time. If you don't listen to people, for instance, I work with... A number of wrestling companies. I'm not going to fucking divulge it and fucking be an asshole and blah, 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 blah. The one that I predominantly work for, everybody knows anyway, but I do have a kind of, you know, I don't have a say in any of these wrestling companies, but what I do is I give them feedback based on what I see, not only as somebody who works within the business, but also somebody who is a fan predominantly. Because whether you like it or not, fans make everything what it is. And I always say to people, I'm not going to give you my opinions based on being a wrestler or being within the business unless it pertains to that subject. What I'm trying to show people, particularly in companies, is 
there's a reason why people don't respond to your social media. There's a reason why people don't respond to a certain match or don't respond to a certain talent. And this is because as a fan, this is what I'm seeing and this is what I do and don't like. Now, obviously, every single fan's opinion is different. But what I try and do is truly understand things that you can, you know, kind of broaden or throw a blanket over. You know, it's pretty self-explanatory to most, I'd say, 95% of wrestling fans. They are sick of seeing Drew McIntyre get a top shot every month. You know, even if they support, even people who support Drew are like, yeah, we love Drew, but what about all the other talent you got? And if you do a rotation, then you're forced into that more. That's just my two cents. That's one way I truly believe you might be able to affect ratings and improve them slightly. Because also, if you're rotating it, you can do it when you want to. So nobody knows when it's truly coming. Because technically, they're always rotating anyway. The problem is they're rotating with the same people all the time. Use your whole roster or thin it out. This is something that I think AEW, it would probably benefit from even more so than WWE because their roster is so bloated and there's no room to make enough stars. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't... I was actually excited when Drew didn't win his Bunny in the Bank qualifying match because I'm like, okay, we're going to move on. Awesome. And, and and then he won Next that... Week. Yeah, won that fucking triple threat. Just, I don't want to see that. Let me rephrase. It's not that I don't want to see the same people every week because there are a few I love. I love seeing KO every week. I love seeing. Who else do I love seeing every week? That might honestly be it. I mean, I like the New Day, but I don't really need to see them every week. But ninety-nine percent WWE has a big roster as well, not as bloated as AEW for for damn sure. But they've got a lot of guys. Let's see some of them more and not just have, you know, 15, 20 of them running around chasing our truth or Akira Tozawa, whoever's the 24 seven champion at the time. Yeah. Um, basic question. What does Carl Wilkinson think hurts ratings so much right now? Why do you think ratings are at an all-time low? Why do you think less people watch wrestling weekly or at least on TV more so than ever before? I, I think it's the lack of fans. I've, I've said that since, you know, the pandemic started. I think the lack of fans seriously hurt wrestling. I stopped watching for months. Because it's, it's just not the same. Like, the Thunderdome was, like, it was a brilliant idea. It, it definitely helped in a way because you could at least see people. But then you remember it's all piped in crowd noise or piped in chants that just sound fucking ridiculous. But, you know, we're getting fans next week. And I think that is going to start turning it around. But it's I don't think it's going to be instant. There's no instant fix. No, just snap of a finger. And all of a sudden you're pulling in, you know, over two million viewers or something. It's going to take a while, but I honestly think having fans there will, it'll help. There's a number of things. It's not as easy as do this and it will get better. I do think that a lack of fans at an actual show does hurt. Um, for instance, uh, football is not nearly as good. Live sports in general just aren't as good without fans. I watched the Copper America final earlier, full disclosure for when we're recording. Um, it just finished actually a couple of hours ago. Brazil versus Argentina, one of the most vaunted and exciting football games in the world. And it had about a thousand, two thousand people in this huge stadium in you know Brazil. And you think, 
Fucking hell. And it, it, it was a slog. I mean, it's bad enough that, you know, we're talking about two unbelievably prima donna diving fairy twats. Like, it's more fake than wrestling. <laughs> it really is. Um, or at least the current, you know, representation of wrestling, which whether you like that word or not, I'm sorry, but a lot of people clearly aren't taking it seriously enough to call it anything but that. Um, but it, it does. It affects it. But there's another of things at play here. I think overall, uh, wrestling, even AEW's product, it's not presented seriously enough. Um, not just AEW, by the way, all of wrestling. I don't think it's presented seriously enough. I think the genuinely cool things in wrestling, <clears throat> the more serious wrestlers, the more serious talents, you don't see enough of them. Like, you know, th- there's undersaturation. For instance, why is Josh Alexander not on my TV screen every week on Impact? Why is he not wrestling every week? You know, this is the workhorse. You know, can you imagine 2000 WWF not having Kurt Angle on TV for a few weeks at a time just because, you know, we're taping a few things. So, Josh, if you want to wrestle this week or maybe next week and then give you a couple of weeks off. Nah, man. Absolutely not. And the use of stars or the lack of use of stars can be very infuriating at times. And also the stubbornness. WWE is so guilty of this. The stubbornness of not wanting to actually fucking use fans. Um, use stars. Make stars, excuse me. They don't use anyone with the belief that they might end up being a big draw. And they make sure that the audience knows that they're not a big draw. Case in point, Cesaro. We, years and years and years push Cesaro, push Cesaro, push Cesaro. Okay, we'll push him for a little bit. But on the understanding that you know he's never going to be a big star. So he loses. You know, and they do that with a multitude of people. Even Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is a big star to me. But is he a big star to overall WrestleMania? No. Because he never wins anything big. And when he does, he has it taken off him in favour of someone else. You always know that, you know someone else is going to be more in favor than that person. Um, I even see that kind of format starting on AW a little bit. You can say what you like, but ultimately it does seem to me like a lot of the decisions and a lot of things go through the elite and, you know, they're happy for other people to hold belts, providing that it doesn't get in the way of them. Um, If you look at it right now, the roster, most of the people holding belts either work for the elite or in the elite or are very close friends with the elite. Uh, and that's the case everywhere you go. You know, you got to suck up to somebody. Somebody's got to be in charge. And the closer people are to the top, the more people want to suck up to them because they know they get better opportunities. That's just the way life is. And that's ultimately why I'm an independent artist because I don't like fucking sucking up to anyone. I'm certainly not going to suck anyone's dick, much less the fucking Joe Exotics of the world, like the young fucks. Um, young my ass. They're my age. <laughs> And I don't look young. So they sure as hell don't look young. Um, But ultimately, there's so many things. I could sit here and spend three or four hours talking to you about it. The only other thing that I probably would mention that is always worth a mention is that you can't put it down to competition because AEW has provided genuine strict competition. So you can't put it down to, you know, oh, well, you know, once WWE put WCW out of business, there was no competition. So what's the point of watching? People love competition. That's why sports, professional sports work so well. Competition. Whether it be legitimate or whether it be fleeting, people believe in that. But for me, the the biggest thing that I think hurts wrestling genuinely is that it isn't fucking... There's, there's no one hide. You know everything. You know literally everything. When is wrestling... 
been at its peak? 60s, 70s, 80s? How much Twittering was going on back then? How much, I don't know, there weren't many Facebook posts. To, to, you know, just to see something from abroad, like Japanese wrestling, tapes of that nature, exactly that. You needed a tape. You had to fucking find somebody who knew a guy who knew a guy who traded in those tapes. And then you had to offer the guy some money or trade him for another tape so that you could see free Antonio Inoki matches. You know, it, 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 you had to go out of your way. You had to truly work hard to be a wrestling fan. Now, ultimate accessibility is good, especially things like YouTube. Look how great it is for us and our watch-alongs. However, what it also means is why am I going to give two shits? Why am I going to be emotionally invested in any fucking program, regardless of whether it's good or not? WWE, AEW, Impact, doesn't matter what. Why am I going to be invested in it when I can watch it whenever I want, when I can get unabridged highlights ourselves? We kind of do that with a three-minute... Well, I do that with the three-minute reviews. You know, why am I going to sit down and subject myself, if I'm a casual fan, to this nonsense when I can have it served up to me easily and also when i already know pretty much everything that's going on people like dave Meltzer, who were fantastic during an era where there was no internet and stuff like that because they actually gave you news he was a journalist in the 70s and 80s because he would actually report on the wrestling so the only way you could really find out what was going on around the wrestling world is because Meltzer had sources all over the country and all over the world and they would report back to him and he'd write it all in the newsletter fantastic just like your weekly or monthly magazines. You would digest your information through that because there was nowhere else to get it. Nowadays, everybody knows everything because it's on the internet. It's right in front of them. So Dave Meltzer has had to... And this is why Dave Meltzer has become such a fucking cockwalf. And I'm about to you know, move on to this prick in a minute because I fucking despise Dave Meltzer now. I think he's a fucking grotesque, ugly human being. And I will explain why in a moment. His entire ethos and his entire business has now shifted to, right, I need to attach myself to what's hot and then hype the shit out of that while also peeling back the curtain more and more and more. Because you always peel back the curtain, but you never got to see what was behind the curtain. You just heard what he had seen behind it. Now you see it for yourself and he just hammers it home. You know, there's been a lot of things going on this week unsavory things you know all about it immediately dave Meltzer has reported this dave Meltzer has reported that he could be bullshitting and he has been called out for his bullshitting but ultimately you know everything you're never going to truly enjoy something like wrestling because you always really truly kind of know what's going to happen very rarely is there ever a surprise and i bring it back to real sports again doesn't matter like for instance the stanley cup now you know, people might have said, yeah, Tampa Bay were favourites to win the Stanley Cup, and they eventually did. But at any given point, something could change. Someone could get injured. A game could turn on its head. Um, you know, anything possible, because that is a live, undetermined sporting event. This is all predetermined. What comes back to that big magical F word. And whether you want to use it or not, whether you don't like the word and you just want to say predetermined, I think I'm already in the business deep enough that I have a right to use that word if I think something looks particularly fake. Because if it does, then I should call it that. You're not getting away with it just because our business gets offended by the word fake. You know what? You don't want someone to call it fake? Well, don't fucking act fake. Don't make the bump look shit. Don't make it look so unrealistic. Don't rig weapons. Don't use them at all. Do things that make it look real without jeopardizing your health and your safety. That's how that works. But truly, 
we know too much. And once you know too much, for instance, are you going to go to a magic show if I tell you how all the tricks are done beforehand? Of course you're not. Same case with wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even think about social media in general just because I'm, I'm so used to it now. It's just something that's just always there, especially now. You don't even think about it. But, you know, the more you say it, the more you really realize, wow, I mean, yeah, you can log on and, you know, what's his dick from Buttfuck Idaho can go, oh, yeah, by the way, someone got hit by a car. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm glad I hear it on Twitter instead of a reputable wrestling source or something. But uh, neat, I guess. Just... It, it ruins the sense of immersion. It ruins the suspense of disbelief, which is something you need when you watch wrestling because some of it is so ridiculously outlandish. And it's hard when you just... It's like seeing the creepy old man in The Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. You just... It's ruined. Yeah. The, the, the air of mystery has gone. Um, nothing's good if you know what happens beforehand. Nothing. Apply that to anything that you, you know, think of that is, you know, that you enjoy, obviously. Uh, sporting events, you know, days out, music, anything like that. If you know everything that's going to come beforehand, you're not going to enjoy it, are you? Not nearly as much. You might still find enjoyment. And also, then it creates even more toxicity in an already very toxic, um, you know, crowd. And this is what we're going to kind of transition into. Last Monday, Jimmy Uzo gets picked up for a DUI. It's happened multiple times. It's clearly got an issue. I'm not going to fucking post stupid little memes or make jokes about it because I don't think it's funny. And I sure as hell don't find it funny because ultimately he ran a red light while he was intoxicated. Jimmy Uso could have killed somebody. And I am the, and I mean the biggest Uzos fan. Anyone who's even sniffing his podcast knows I'm obsessed with the Uzos. They are as close as I would ever get to standing something in wrestling because that fucking word is stupid in his own right. I love the Uzos. Uh, I love Jimmy dearly. And I know he's in a relationship with Naomi, which has made even more problems and made the internet more problematic. Um, Jimmy Uzo released from his DUI on bail. There has been talk apparently backstage of releasing him. They opted not to. He was then seen on SmackDown. No fewer than what? Four days later. Um, there was a little bit of character breaking and stuff of that nature. If you check out SmackDown from last week, you'll see it. I'm not going to go into it because we'll be here forever. What do you think about Jimmy Uzo being flagged up for another DUI? And what do you think is the right course of action during this current very turbulent time particularly when we are talking about a publicly traded company that is consistently under the microscope get him the help he needs this has happened three three times in the past two years i think and at one point he was like like standing up to a cop like ready to throw down you you can't do that he clearly needs help WWE has in the past helped plenty of people before with issues like this. Wow. I know he's involved in, you know, the biggest storyline on SmackDown. Him and Jay want to go back for the tag titles, all this, blah, blah, blah. That sounds great on theory. But do we want Jimmy Uso to show up to a tag team title match like Jeff Hardy at Victory Road? No, you don't, because it's a fucking embarrassment. It's 
an embarrassment for the performer. It's an embarrassment for the company. And most of all, it's a dangerous thing to do for both, both guys in the ring, all four. Send him to rehab. Send him to wherever he needs to go to get that help because his health should be the most important thing. I don't understand why anyone could and probably does think any different. Yeah, I'm like I'm not going to be like fire him, anything like that. Um, that's not really my decision to make, and I don't really like pissing around and making flippant judgments about people's careers. I think it's really sad because the big, big, big stories and rumors going around is that the, the Usos are primed and ready for the biggest push of their lives alongside their cousin Roman. This throws a spanner in that. It hurts Jay Uso again who admittedly has shown that he can hang very nicely as an individual star, a single star, but, you know, that's... Yeah, sure, that's great. I mean, for instance, <sighs> Dynamite Kid, British Bulldog, you know, that was another good example of one... Be I mean, both guys actually weren't particularly fantastic backstage, but one was particularly bad in the Dynamite Kid, and, you know, it was always a case of, well, Bulldog can kind of stand up on his own, but ultimately what might have... You know, you could allege that what killed him really was the stress of having to go solo and becoming such a huge solo star, you know, drugs and alcohol and everything else. It just catches up to you. And we've seen that with a multitude of different people, particularly in tag teams. Um, it's difficult to share a spotlight as well, especially if you consider yourself to be extremely talented in your own right. It can be difficult to share that spotlight with somebody else, you know, share the attention. And to make matters worse, uh, Jimmy's partner, Naomi, I believe they're married or at least, you know, engaged. I think, I think they're they're married for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, because I believe her second name is in real life far too. Excuse me for pulling back the curtain about doing exactly the thing I was moaning about, but hey, isn't that basically what this whole podcast is about at this point? Um, for me, you know, Naomi is getting so incessantly trolled on social media. I've seen some horrendous fucking comments, racial comments, uh, calling her a monkey, amongst other things saying that she deserves to, you know, feel bad. Basically, it's her fault for associating herself with, you know, you think of it. If you think it's horrible and racist and shit, it's been said to her in the last couple of days, uh, so much so that she deactivated her social media um, because she felt that necessary. And with all due respect, that's a much bigger deal than when Mauro Ronaldo deactivated his social media because Corey Graves was slightly mean to him. This is on an entirely different level. Um <laughs> It's really sad as well because it's one of the only real big female black stars they have outside of Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. It's probably the only um, big African-American star they have on the main roster, let's be fair, at least in terms of women, of course, and outside of the two that I just mentioned. And it's just more pressure. And of course, this is a reverberating effect and this is how you, know, you could really make an argument for your actions have consequences. And they reverberate sometimes around people. And I know that Jimmy Uzo made a very selfish mistake. And he obviously needs help, like you say. Jimmy Uzo, you know, just as a quick cap on that, he shouldn't be on TV until he is completely sober and fixed. And until that point, he shouldn't be on TV. Um, give Jay Uzo more time. 
you know, just say, right, sorry, Jay, gonna have to roll it as a singles guy. You know, maybe you turn on Roman later down the line, maybe you come as you can see, you know, we are happy to bring Jimmy back into the fold when we think he is correct and ready to go until that point. Absolutely fucking not. He cannot wrestle, he cannot be on our TV screens. It is a bad look, but ultimately it is most important that he is protected because being out there on screen and being on TV angles and things of that nature, whether Edge is kicking the everlasting shite out of you or not, is not going to help things long term. It's not. Doesn't matter how well you create an environment. They're just about to go back on the road. She's going to make it tenfold worse. Last place he needs to be is on the road for multi- for a multitude of reasons, with all due respect. Um, but to see Naomi go through all that, uh, the only thing that brings any kind of happiness to this scenario is seeing the beautiful outpouring of love from WWE's actual talent, particularly their female talent, uh, messages of love and appreciation from, you know, Zelina Vega and Mia Yim and people of that nature. But we're not learning. We're not making any fucking headway. We're not fucking improving. Um, I get hate mail regularly, mostly from AEW fans, which is, you know, I, I will be thoroughly honest with you. Um, is one of the big reasons that I don't enjoy AEW as much because of the toxicity and rage of their fans when I've dared to criticise things. And I have always said this. I think I speak very fairly and with great honesty about what I see on my screen when I watch AEW. I don't think I shit on anything without any due kind of understanding or without any genuine critiques. And I've always asked people, I've said, you're more than welcome to do, you know, disagree with me at all times. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's healthy. I think that's very important. I cannot stand snowflakes who like, oh, he disagrees with me. So I'm just going to block him because I don't like that. Well, that's pathetic. And you won't grow as a human being either. But when someone tells me I should die or that I should throw a toaster in my bath, which I joke about, but people actually say that to me. Um you know, it does kind of make you sit there and think, wow. And I don't share it because why should I give them any fucking strength? You know, if they go particularly overboard or threaten to murder somebody or blah, 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 then obviously I'll just take it to the police. Um, by the way, heads up, because I know quite a few people listening to this podcast don't like me, including people who have been involved in my personal life before and anyone can guess what I'm talking about. Um, I do keep a massive backlog of everything they sent to me. And it does get kept on file. And if it ever gets too serious, I will happily forward it to the correct people, not just the police. So feel free to send away. But everything that you say and do can be used as a form of evidence. I'm just saying that much. Uh, And that also pertains to all wrestlers and wrestling companies alike. So act with a certain level of professionalism or face the consequences of that when deemed necessary. That doesn't mean that people can't have their opinions and people can't swear at me, things of that nature. But like I say, if I deem it to be really offensive, things get out of hand, then I will obviously deal with it in due course. But, I mean, what what, what do you want me to ask you? Carl Wilkinson, thoughts on Naomi being racially abused and shutting down her Twitter? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, also really a question I can answer because I've never dealt with them. You know, like, I don't know if you guys have seen me before, but I am quite pale. I have quite a pale complexion. I've I've never dealt. I mean, sure, people can hate me because I'm Canadian, but I'm, all I'm going to do is apologize and offer to shake your hand anyway. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of what I do. But these are just keyboard warriors that can hide behind their computer screen and say what they want, because if they tried to say it to her face, she'd kick them in the head and it'd fly 12 feet into the eighth row. 
all these people just say what they can say because there is no physical consequences. There's no form of accountability in a way because like you say it and you know you say it, but nothing's going to happen to you. People, you're just going to get to get a bunch of other keyboard warriors attacking each other and all of a sudden the reason the first person said something is lost because in the third reply someone said something else and now there's a whole other thing going on it's just uh, the only reason i have twitter at this point or any social media is to you know share the stuff that we do here and you know see if there's any cool movies or shit coming out if i didn't need it i wouldn't have it it's it would be so much more healthier for my mental state, which has been deteriorating hard the last two weeks. Yeah, I've, I've just come out of a really bad like mental health patch. You know, it was, it was really fucking awful. And I persisted with the content here as much as I could. Because for me, it's kind of like therapy. And it's part of my creative outlet. Um, I enjoy the process almost more than I do the actual creation of it. But it's like, you know... Do we? We've all forgotten, haven't we? We've all forgotten, Hana. Go on. Like so easily. Um, <clears throat> that was awful. That was horrible. And it reverberated around the wrestling world. But then we realized just how small our little bubble is. Because nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a fucking shit. And the next thing that's out there, boom. And again, this all comes back to it. <clears throat> Fans know too much. And even when you know too much, you have a responsibility as a human being to hold your peace, to shut your fucking mouth, to put your fat, disgusting, waggly tongue back in your mouth, and do not utter certain things that you know, frankly, are untoward. And what social media does is it gives you a platform to do that. And like I say, I'm never going to kill myself because of the things that have been said to me, you know, particularly on social media. But there are a lot of people who might find it necessary to, you know, react in certain ways because their mental health is fragile. Um, I don't have a problem with swearing on social media. I don't have a problem with, you know, strong opinions or critiques. As you know, I believe in zero filter. But I also believe that there is just, you know, I think there's always a line. And you know when you've gone for a line. There's a difference between me maybe tweeting a wrestler saying you know, stop being a fake piece of shit or stop acting like a twat or don't be so fucking abusive to other wrestlers or blah, blah, blah. Don't be so unprofessional in our sport. And then there's another one like, oh, I think you're a disgusting little monkey and I hope you fucking fall off a bridge. You know, that's an entirely different premise and an entirely different mindset it takes to say something like that. And that's disgusting. It's actually disgusting. It's not only that, it's actually kind of pathetic and embarrassing. Like, how embarrassingly... The thing is, right, nobody's going to listen to this and think, oh, I'm going to think about what I say. And that's what makes it feel so pointless. No troll is ever going to listen to me and think, Aaron Nix presents a persuasive argument. (laughs) (laughs) And because of that, I am going to, you know, rehabilitate myself and really take accountability for what I say. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure you can scroll back through my Twitter and see plenty of horrible things I've said. I called the Brazilian team a bunch of play-acting cunts um, because they are. Might be a bit strong, but they are. Like, they're a bunch of diving little fucking fairies and snowflakes, just like the Italian football team. Come on, England! Come on! <laughs> like, He's coming know, home. Yeah, apparently something is coming home. I have no idea what, but we'll find out tomorrow or today. Uh, in fact, in... Yeah, just over 12 hours. 
the biggest game of football in England's history will kick off, or at least since 1966, which is wild. And I won't even be going, despite the fact it's about an hour and a half up the road. <laughs> because guess how much tickets are going for that? Four and a half grand. But we'll get to that because we're getting to the end of the podcast. And when we do, that's when we start talking nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Um, just please. Yeah, I know nobody listening to this really acts in that way. But please fucking attack these people if nothing else. The thing is, like you say, other keyboard warriors will then start fucking going after these people and then it just becomes a mess. But that's the all we can really do. But the problem is they don't care. Twitter doesn't care. Our Twitter account got suspended for 12 hours because me and Kyle were having a conversation. This is legit. This is absolutely legit. And you can see it uh, on our Twitter account if you go for our timeline. I replied to a tweet. Uh, I think Kyle had quote tweeted something from JD from NY, some fucking shock jock cockburner who fucking likes to just say, you know, nasty shit, especially towards women in wrestling, because he's obviously having a really hard time getting laid. And that's absolutely fine. I understand that, you know, we all go through dry patches. Um, obviously, you know, that's difficult for him for whatever reason. Um, but literally all I did was reply um, and say, you know, people like to act cunts like this because there's no accountability and stuff like that. I never said anything hateful or hurtful. That tweet got flagged up, right? And I had our our WrestlePlug account was suspended for 12 hours. And they said, you can appeal it if you like, but during the appeal process, you will not be allowed to tweet. So I appealed it. And then literally 12 hours ran out. So Twitter didn't even bother fucking looking at my appeal. And I was like, well, what the fuck? So you hold me accountable for maybe using bad language in a tweet or whatever, and yet you won't hold these people accountable for using the N-word, for going after people with the most extraordinary, hateful, disgusting things. Ultimately, because people who run Twitter, people who run Facebook, the great thing about this audio podcast is no one can really touch me because it's my platform. Um, people like that fat, disgusting, troglodyte cunt, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, who are happy to line the pockets of neo-Nazi corporations, the KKK, whatever it might be, and yet want to take me to task because I dare to share one of WWE's intellectual rights videos, which apparently has been seen by every single, you know, for instance, I shared a video of Hulk Hogan versus Andre Giant immediately hit with a cease and desist. How dare you use WWE content? Uh, yeah. Do you mind if I post this video about how I want to burn all black people alive and hire Hitler and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But I'll tell you what, if I catch this dickhead over here posting anything more about Hulk Hogan, I'll fucking burn him to the ground. Where the fuck is your sense of perspective and priorities, you fucking dirty corporate money-grabbing cunts, while more and more people die in poverty and fucking adverse hunger because they cannot even afford to go to a fucking food bank or they have to live for a food bank, but these fucking billionaires want to line their pockets. And this isn't anti-capitalism because I want to make money just like everyone else. This is just anti-cunt. This is what this is. You are a fucking disgusting, cretinous, neo-Nazi pile of shit, Mark Zuckerberg, and I would happily punch you in your fuck ugly face over and over until you cease to exist yeah pretty much said that i'd murder someone on this platform don't really care because when it comes to someone like that you are responsible for the downfall and for the poverty and for the stricken lifestyle of millions of people worldwide and you have done nothing nothing to fix that and that goes for a lot of these multi multi corporate hungry billionaire cunts but yeah um just stop being a fucking arsehole on social media. If you feel that hateful towards people or you're that fucking unhappy in your life, then go outside, join a social club, do something. I know it's a fucking difficult life, but there are so many different things you could do with your life. Go for a fucking walk. 
Also, don't own any animals because, frankly, that is a fucking problem in its own right. <laughs> because that's the first thing people do. I'll get a dog. No, you will only get a dog if, and I truly believe this, if you have any kind of sense of understanding of humanity and you're willing to treat that dog as an incredibly beautiful being, just like you would your own loving, you know, partners or family or whatever of that nature. Um, fuck me. Do something else. Find something else to do. But going online every day and throwing hate at people, especially because they're black, you are literally the shit that I step in in the forest that I have to clean out my shoes sometimes. And a lot of times I don't. I just bang it out on the porch when it's dry and then I crack on with my day. That's what you account to. A piece of shit in the tread of my fucking boot, you cunt. Anything else to add? I mean, I, I'd like to counter this with a nice story that happened to me yesterday. No, there will be no nice talk on here. This is an angry, miserable podcast. Yes, please share your thing. I saw it on Facebook. It was very nice. Yeah, so I went to an a It's just a, you know, fast food chain over here. You went to AEW for fast food? Yeah, cheap, easy, you know. Ah! But uh, You served up in. with a ridiculous amount. <laughs> Did you have to go through four different menus to find the one thing that you liked most? No, uh, I know you're kind of shit up, but I kind of am a creature of habit. When I go to a restaurant, I use there's always the one thing I like to get because it's food. If I like food, I'm gonna get that food. Hey, if you like, like I said, if you like it, yeah, good exactly. for you. You might be yep. a boring, bland piece of shit, but good for you. <laughs> I mean, I am pretty boring. You guys should know this by now. Of you are. That's why you're on this podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, I gotta balance it out with the ying, the ying to my where people go to die. <laughs> but uh. I go in and I'm kind of letting the person ahead of me order, you know, keeping social distance, you know, do abiding by the law because oh, to throw that in just so yeah. people don't fucking come at you for being an anti-masker or something. Hey, I've had both my vaccines as of Tuesday. I can still oh, travel. Right. So uh, uh, an older couple comes in behind me and I'm like, okay, I'll kind of move to the side. And the lady goes, okay, I can help us next. And before I could even move the old man gone, like a bat out of hell at the counter. And I'm like, no, I'm just taking to myself. I mean, damn, I'm hungry, but whatever. His wife looks at me and she looks really upset. She's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm like, I'm in no rush. We're, we all want to eat. It's a Friday night. Who wants to do jack shit, right? So I go up, I order my food, and this woman barges ahead of me and pays for me, regardless of my objections. I'm like, no, like, it's fine. Honest to God. But no, she dropped 30 bucks so I could get me some food and bring some home to my mom. What did you um? What did you order? Oh, what we got? I had a had a teen burger. Oh, yeah, they're they're A&W's burgers are it's they're called is the burger A&W. Family. Is that yeah what you're A and W? Yeah. Okay, sorry. So, lean into the microphone and tell okay. us more. <laughs> sorry. So they theirs is uh the burger family. So they have a teen burger, which is just like, I it's so silly. It's in North Americans and their fast right. food. Yeah. So they've. I don't even know how you would equivalent equivalent the team burger to something, but they've got a team burger and then a mama burger, a papa burger, and a grandpa burger. Mama's a double or a single, papa's a double, grandpa's a triple. What's it's, a team? A team's also a single, but it's got like bigger patty. And then they've got an uncle burger, which is like a five ounce. By the way, guys, I know the A and W menu for Jesus. Is this like has this been under scrutiny from overly fucking sensitive? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> 
That's astonishing to me. Like, because I reckon if you did that in the UK, people are like, oh, I get it. So mum's not allowed to eat as much as the teenagers. Oh, you fucking, you can order whatever you want. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. Like, yeah. if you call it a fat cunt burger, I'll bet you'll take an even bigger exception. Uh, Sorry, I'm ruining your good time with my no. unbelievably miserable pessimism. But, but like, I get in the car, like, I and leave, and I just, I called my mother instantly because I was so, like, I was both excited and confused and just overall overjoyed. Like this was just the nicest thing that happened to me and for God knows how long. It just reminded me that not everyone's a piece of shit. Just randomly. So what was the, the woman who paid for it? Was it the old woman who was with the miserable old guy? Yeah. Well, oh, it's, okay. it felt that he was like, well, they white he was miserable. curiosity. Um, I mean, yeah. I just, I just, I'm just before people start fucking going. Oh, here he goes with the white privilege and all that. No, I'm just curious because, like, I know that you know certain neighborhoods people work incredibly hard. You know, black communities are always trying to do amazing things to look after their own and other people around them. And you know, it, it's it's lovely. No one has ever fucking bought me a free meal. I'd just like to point that out. <clears throat> I do have a PayPal. PayPal.me slash Harbinger PW. Hit at me with all your money so I can buy some Space Jam Nikes that sold out because I am poor. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 actually lovely, to be fair. It's a lovely story, and I think this podcast could do with it because I'm so <laughs> angry at social media and life at the moment. So it's nice to hear. It is nice to hear. It was, uh, it was so heartwarming. Like... I was buzzing about it for hours, just going, just like, no fucking way. Are you now going to, like, go back in there regularly and just wait for old people to storm in front of you so you in the hope <laughs> of free food? No, uh, at this point, I consider it my duty to pay it forward to somebody else to keep yeah, this train going. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's exactly why Carl Wilkinson persists to have a job here, even though he's shit at turning up because of heartwarming and cool moments like that, because that's what everyone should do. If someone bought me a free meal, the first thing I would do is say, right, I've saved $30. That's $30 I can drop on somebody else. And I would immediately probably go and find a person in need and either throw $30 at them or buy them food or whatever it might be, or just give them a fucking bed for a night, whatever it is, because I actually believe in stuff like that. Despite my angry demeanor, I care about it. I raise a lot of money for mental health. I give money and food to people who are homeless because I cannot, I've been homeless for a very short period of time. And it is one of the most harrowing experiences of my life. And I can't imagine sitting in the cold for what seems like, I'll tell you what will really get me is when you see like animals with homeless people. It's like, oh Jesus, oh. I can't take it. Like it actually breaks my soul. Like, I just fucking cry every time I see a homeless dog, like a stray dog or a homeless dog that's that. And that dog might be the one thing keeping that person clinging to life. So there's some amazing charities, by the way, who do incredible work. You can always look them up, uh, who go around and actually help give the dogs free vaccines, booster shots, whatever it might be, um, and help look after the dogs so that they can stay with their owners and make sure that they're just well looked after and well adjusted. There's nothing more beautiful and yet more horribly tragic is when you see a homeless person. I've done this. I remember giving a homeless guy in Southampton. I gave him a sandwich because I didn't want it. And I thought, well, I hate wasting food. And he gave, he, he made sure his dog ate it first. Like he gave his dog like the half first and he just sat there and fed his dog. And I was like, you care more about your dog than your own fucking life. And that's beautiful and also horrible that you ever have to be in that scenario. So shout out to Boris Johnson, you know, for still, despite us being a first world country, having 
numerous amounts, reckon amounts of people um, going to food banks and things. And I'm trying not to be a pessimist, but fuck me, Boris Johnson. You are a fat, wavy head cunt. I fucking hate your shitty guts, you fucking cunt. But you don't worry about homeless people because it's coming home. So I can put on an England shirt and pretend like I give a shit about the England team achieving something incredible. Fuck you. Fuck you, you Tory fucking fat cunt. You fat fucking piece of shit. I will fucking... I just hope you burn in fucking hell forever. Anyway, nice thing. $30. There you go. (laughs) Nice. Nice things. Um, Lovely. Lovely story. Shout out to the amazing people of Canada who seem to actually give a shit about looking after each other. Little shout out to Persephone Vice as well because she's fucking lovely and she's always fucking tweeting me and being so kind and when you're a big mega star who's trained with Ethan Page and Josh Alexander you don't have to take time out of your day to speak to me so I just wanted to send you some love and also Choked Goat Gaming. While I mention them, we have a few questions because I thought this was going to be really boring and I thought I was going to do it on my own because Carl Wilkinson, I don't know if I've mentioned but he rarely turns up for work because he's a piece of shit. So I asked our fans... (laughs) If they could, mostly, because he's getting free meals. Um, <laughs> and if I was getting free meals, I wouldn't be doing this podcast either. What is it to have money? I don't know. Somebody tell me that. Um, so, yeah, I asked our amazing fucking fans if they would send in some questions. And they did, astonishingly enough. Um, these are directed to me, but obviously, Carl Wilkinson, I allow you out of the generosity of my soul to answer them anyway. So, hopefully, you are primed and ready with fun anecdotes to entertain our amazing listeners let's start with the legend himself that i just mentioned at choked goat on twitter choked goat gaming you can find him on instagram as well he's currently on a journey to play every single game he's ever owned like all the way through i think so yes oh Uh, jesus christ yeah big gaming fan and also on a great fitness journey as well shout out to you man you're looking as healthy as ever mr goat uh, he says, with shows going back on the road, what would you what would you like companies to push more of? Would you like less of of that was big during no that I won't attack you for grammar, but maybe I'm just not reading this properly. So he says, with shows going back on the road, what would you like companies to push more of? So what would you like to see companies like AWWE push more of while they're on the road? that maybe they didn't push when they were not on the road. I assume he means content-wise and product-wise. And also, what would you like less of that was big during no fans? Karma will always help, brother. (laughs) What would you like less of that was big during no fans? So basically, what was the biggest thing you saw that you hated during the COVID era of wrestling, you know, in-house? And also, what's the thing you'd like to see pushed more than ever now that they're back on the road? Um... I mean, this is just kind of a wrestling thing in general, but I mean, I'd love to see less rematches. That's just a thing in general. But something I'd like to see more of now that we're going back to normal. Black wrestlers would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) I don't say that to be edgy. But for fuck's sake, there's so many amazing black talents. Push them a bit more, please. Although, I will say one thing. WWE has been pretty diverse lately, actually. There's one thing I can't give it too much grief for. It is its diversity. I mean, they're, they're pushing Bobby Lashley super hard, which is incredibly well-deserved. Yeah, and incredibly stunning when you consider that he's black. I'm sorry. I, I know that sounds horrible to say, but it's just because I'm so not used to WWE doing something as woke as that and having a black champion for a long amount of time. And honestly, like I'm terrified to say it just because 
you know, I am white and I feel like people just come at me going, oh, he's racist. <laughs> Pale as a ghost, my friend. Pale as a I can fucking ghost. see. <laughs> I don't think you can. I think I just kind of blend into the screen. Shut up, Casper. <laughs> yeah, at least he's a friendly ghost. At least easy for me to say as an Egyptian man. But <laughs> I just... It might sound like a lame answer, but I'm really excited to see the crowd interactions again. I can't wait to see, you know, if KO was a heel and the crowd started doing shit, he would just lay into them like he always did. I, I can't They're wait to see... Oh, I can't wait to just see how the performers interact with the fans again. That's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think in terms of... Um things that I don't want to see much of that I saw a lot of during the COVID era. Uh, piped in sounds. I can't stand them. No. Uh, I think it's really disconcerting. Do you remember when SmackDown would always have piped in sound, irregardless, because it was pre-taped? Mm-hmm. It would drive me fucking mad because it was like, I get it. I get why you're doing it. But, you know, at this point, if you're going to try and control how the crowd reacts or just basically cut them out or edit them out if they dare boo anyone, like remember when they uh, dumbed down the sounds so that you couldn't hear people booing Roman Reigns? Yep. Um, stuff like that. So it's pathetic and it's embarrassing, and I feel sorry for you because it comes across so astonishingly fake. Um, but as far as things I'd like to see pushed, I mean, nothing that I wouldn't normally moan about. You know, yes, I want to see new stars being used. Uh, I obviously want to see them interact with fans in a certain way again that they've done before maybe whatever like you know just because we've got live audiences back doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing what they should do to make the shows as good as they can you know that doesn't really mean anything unless they're actually going to show what the actual product is going to be like so for me in terms of what i'd actually like to see them push it's a very tough question that one um just push more of younger talents exciting talents Let's see more diversity. I'm loving the fact that WWE, the one thing I really love about WWE right now is the great diversity. You know, Raw last week, okay, it was shit, but it had it had black talents. It had African-American talents. It had, you know, um, mixed race talents. It had Middle Eastern talents. It had a ver- variety of different women on its show. The problem has never been, or sometimes, you know, on Raw right now, I don't think the problem is diversity. It's just the fact that it's fucking written like a big steaming pile of shit. Um, and there's only so much that I can stare at Alexa Bliss before even I get pissed off with that dumb gimmick. But, you know, the one thing I'd love to see is please continue with the diversity when you go back on the road. Because that will be a real true measuring stick and a statement of intent if you're saying, yeah, um, we're actually going to continue down this route. And I have heard that Peacock, and because they're obviously looking for what might be a sale later down the line, companies are sort of saying, and you know, potential suitors are saying, well, we need something that's more diverse because, you know, it turns out the whole world watches this, not just white people. So that would probably be mine. Anything else you want to add to that fantastic question from Mr. Goot? No, that's a good question. I like that question. It makes me think. It was. Uh, one of my loveliest fans. I'd like to think she's one of my fans. She actually hates me because I don't like AEW nearly as much as she does, but I do love her dearly. Uh, is at Nails and NY, our good buddy Nails, who is an egomaniac, um, which means that she loves Ethan Page. Um, she does more than anyone else. I think uh, it's very difficult. And rightfully so. And by the way, Ethan Page woefully underutilized in WWE right now. Uh, AEW, excuse me. Uh, oh, wait, WWE Dynamite. Oh, no, right. <laughs> oh, God, I've done a Jim Ross. I can't give out to him about it now. 
Uh, she asked, related to the three-minute reviews, if you could have three minutes to talk to the Raw writers, Raw writers, thank you very much for that. Um, if you could have three minutes to talk to the Raw writers, creative writers, I assume, uh, what would you say? And in brackets, she said, you can't just tell them to fuck off. Right, Carl Wilkinson, I'm going to dump <laughs> you in a room with the people who write Raw every week. And I am going to give you three minutes to say to them whatever you would please. What would you say to these people? Other than fuck off. Um, you're fired. Good joy. That one takes like, three minutes. What? And then you spend the other two minutes and 58 seconds going on Indeed up. and finding new writers. No, I'd walk up to everyone and go, um, I'm sorry, you're no longer a good fit for this company. Shake their hand. That's what I would do. I'd spend the whole time just being really Canadian about it. Well, I'm sorry, but uh, you're writing a big old pile of snow there. Boy, you get John Laurinaitis <laughs> to do it for you. <laughs> yeah, just a text message, baby. <laughs> No, but I, I, I would have to ask, you know, the questions we all have, you know, why did you do this? Why have you had these guys wrestle the same match for the past 14 months? Why do you not use this person? Like, it, w- it would be actual, I know Vince has the final say and all this shit. I'm not that dumb. But the writers, I think, I don't know how the process works, obviously, but I would assume the writers, you know, try something and then give it to Vince and then Vince goes yay or nay. And if not, he'll go rip and they'll write it again. So it starts with them. It ends with Vince fine, but it starts with them. And I would ask why they make all the the decisions they've made. Cause there's not a single one. I could go, no, that was pretty good. Other than maybe Lashley that that was been pretty good so far, but it, I would generally honestly ask, why they make those decisions because they see ratings they see all that stuff because it gets dumped on their lap when it's shit and they don't change yeah first of all fuck off um i wouldn't <laughs> sorry go on oh no that, that's it just fuck off i know we can't say it but that's the cheating answer yeah we're not allowed to say fuck off that's uh Niles doesn't like swearing apparently so you're not gonna like this podcast sweetie um <laughs> but we love you either way for checking in um if you bother to at that point send us a message just in case you do actually bother to check in this far so i'd like to think that we've kept people's attention long enough even though it's been going on forever or what feels like forever um i would first of all if if i couldn't just fire them out right like you say i'd sit down and say right you don't fucking understand what our core audience and people who watch our product understand you don't have any clue how to create a product that is relatable and interesting in any way. So I want you, uh, the first thing I do, I probably grab them, I throw them outside. I say, right, outside, especially when live crowds are back, outside, all of you, you are going to go and fucking stand in line with all the fans who are buying tickets. You're going to shut your whore mouths. You're going to do as you're fucking told because I'm on your payroll because I'm paying you, basically. Obviously, you'd probably need Vince Man to say this, but, you know, if, if anything was no option, you know, if I could just get away with anything or whatever, or money was no, you know, uh, option or whatever, um, I would just say, you know, listen. Shut up and listen. You're going to listen to what he's trying to say. And then I, what, what I want you to do, I want you to ask questions, maybe, once, you, once you're done shutting up and listening for long enough. <laughs> ask questions. Ask the fans what they like, what they don't like. Get a fucking genuine vibe for what these people want. Go on social media. You know, with burner accounts, 
hidden accounts, whatever. You don't even have to fucking interact with people. Read what people say about your product because you're the one who writes it. And at the end of the day, you're the ones who should cop the abuse if you're writing it like a piece of shit. Now, people are going to come on this podcast now and say, oh, well, Vince McMahon writes the show, blah, 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 blah. Yes, he does. He absolutely probably modifies it and everything like that. But that wasn't the question. The question was, what would you say to the raw creative writers? And if in a perfect world, whatever I said to them could actually affect change for this show, um, I would say... Go out there and fucking speak to the people. Stop being so fucking arrogant as to assume that your writing and your creativity and your intelligence is beyond what the people want. The people, you know, a lot of times I feel like the people themselves don't help themselves because they don't want to speak up. They don't want to use their voice. That's on them. But when the people are using their voice and frankly are not being heard, that's pretty disgusting. And that's what Raw especially does. It doesn't listen to its fans whatsoever. And you can definitely tell that Vince at 76, 77, however old he is now, basically thinks, go fuck yourselves. I know better than you. And you don't because you are a concussed, senile, demented, lunatic, rapist piece of shit. Allegedly. So, you know, just please understand that you are writing a show for people, not for yourselves. Probably be the best thing I could say. Choco Gaming has the... Uh, he's back again. You asked two questions, you greedy bastard. Um, what would you do to survive the zombie apocalypse, Carl Wilkinson? Uh, remember that time we did a po- did a little thing between ourselves about which five wrestlers we take in a zombie apocalypse? That was a fucking callback. That was a few years yeah. ago now. Shout out to Hardest Part of the Ring who did that first, actually. I'm really annoyed that I didn't steal that before they did. Uh. Um, I mean, everyone's done it at some point. It's kind of like Desert Island Disc. You know, what free tracks would you take if you were deserted yeah. on an island? And please feel free to keep sending questions, by the way, and we'll answer them when we next do a podcast. Um, yeah, what would you do to survive the zombie apocalypse, Mr. Wilkinson? Well, we need to establish what kind of zombies we're dealing with here, don't we? They, they could be infected, you know, or they could be actual zombie zombies. Because are they runners? Zombies. Are they runners or are they walkers? Are they the Walking Dead zombies or are they like twenty-four fucking hours later or whatever it is? What, twenty-eight days later, I think. Twenty-eight days later, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty-eight days later, yeah. Um, because um, oh, those ones scare the shit out of me. Right. I mean, if they're just walkers, you know, barricade yourself in a Walmart, I guess you know, or a department store or something until you run out. Or you just find uh, the most charismatic guy who might be an asshole, but then turn into an asshole yourself because he's such a cool guy that it doesn't matter. And you can do whatever you like, <laughs> Negan. <laughs> um, yeah, that helps. you take the Negan approach, would you, if you were charismatic enough? No, nah, I could never be like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, dude. Too good. But... Uh, I would do whatever I had to. Yeah. Do you know what's really scary about the idea of a genuine zombie apocalypse is how do you protect the people you love? Partners, family, you know, I think about my little sisters, you know, they're beautiful young girls, but they're not going to fucking, sorry if Hanine for some reason ever listens to this podcast, she ain't picking up a sword. (laughs) She ain't going to town. Also, we're kind of up shit creek here because it's England, isn't it? No guns. Um, there are guns, but they're very, very, very far and few between, few and far between. It's probably, you know, one of the reasons why we don't have too many school shootings. Um, swords. 
Samurai swords, good ones. Not that cheap shit you buy in a fucking dodgy Chinese shop. I'm talking proper samurai swords. Got to have a pair. Absolutely. You must, or everyone should have a samurai sword, for starters. Um, minimize who you care about and who is close to you. Because not only is that more mouths to feed, but also I'm going to be really fucking ruthless here. But honestly, I would much rather be a miserable single pessimist like Carl Wilkinson than anybody else in a zombie apocalypse. Because ultimately, um, you cannot afford too much emotion in a scenario where every day you could possibly die or it might be your last if you make one fleeting mistake. Yeah. You've got to be able to head on a swivel. Do you know what's really heartbreaking is the fact that I wouldn't be able to listen to music all the time like I always do. You ever go for a walk, put your headphones in? You're not doing that in zombie apocalypse because then old fucking Kenny, who's been turned from the 24-7, is going to take a nice little bite out of your shoulder while you're not paying attention while you're listening to Cypress Hill, isn't it? Um, yeah. Weird one. Turntable is going to be important, isn't it? <laughs> what we should do is break it down in the podcast. So one podcast is dedicated to our perfect zombie fortress hideout, who we would have with us, you know, as a different one, how we would try and contain the threat and cleanse whatever we could, you know, there's all kinds of things. Um, but ultimately, Samurai Sword is my go-to weapon, definitely. Um, I always fear, because obviously in 28 Days Later, do you remember when the, that little drop of blood lands in his eye and then he turns rapidly yeah. in front of his own daughter? That's fucked up. So fucked up, that scene. And I think, if just a little bit of splash, and that's what does you, well, you, we're all fucked. I'm sorry, we're all fucked. You are not surviving, if that's the case. Because Samurai Sword, blood's going to fly. Now, if it's a case of, you know, there's, it depends on it. If they, you can only really turn if they bite you or if you actually ingest it proper, you know, um, then happy days. I'm going to town with a sword. Otherwise, it's distance, 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 which means height. Apartment blocks, top of an apartment block. I thought about this way too much. <laughs> Do you know what? I like zombie f- films because I'm a very pessimistic, bleak person, I think, within my soul. Even though I try and be happy and look after people and I'm kind, I think that's why I'm outwardly kind to people a lot more because I know that inwardly I don't like myself very much. Um, not as much as I would like, although I do recognize that I do great things now, which is nice. And I've worked very hard on that. Um, but I, I, I'm always fascinated by that bleakness. And that understanding of this is the most extreme scenario of isolation, of misery, of genuine despair and distraught behavior. How do you react as a human being? How do you cope with all of that? How do you, how do you fucking survive? It's hard enough to survive now in a world where people aren't going to eat you unless, you know, Papua New Guinea. Allegedly. <laughs> Shout out <laughs> to some of them African tribes who are still eating human meat. Um, yeah, difficult, very difficult. But overall, Samurai, I'll, I'll just keep coming back to it, baby. The Samurai sauce. I'm going full Michonne. I'm going full Michonne, mate. And hell, if I need to stamp the jaws off of some walkers to make them fucking, you know, sedated and then chain them up and carry them around with me for camouflage, then that's what I'll do. Also, I cannot handle it if they're going to eat animals because that would just fuck me up. Like, the idea of a turned dog is terrifying, but the idea of seeing like any kind of like when the horse gets eaten in the first episode of Walking Dead, that's the most heartbreaking thing in the whole fucking first episode. Just the fact that they set upon this horse and destroy it like they do. It's like that that fucked me up. I cried when I watched that. It's 
animals are so important to me horses especially and also horses are like they are they're workhorses they're everything at one point they were everything that was the economical boom particularly in the united states so yeah samurai swords protect all animals and do not fall in love yeah um, i mean I, I would definitely like to have a melee weapon of some sort a katana would be very useful but i mean you know i'll take a bow staff if i have to Bow and arrow, perfect. Silent, deadly. Everyone swats up on archery for the inevitable collapse of society. Um, yeah, I mean, I could sit here and talk about it forever, but it's probably best that we move on to the next question. But thank you for that. Tell you what, if you want us to do a specific WWE-themed or wrestling-themed... Hell, fuck it, let's not even bother with the wrestling. If you want us to just start doing a zombie apocalypse podcast instead because at this point it's probably more preferable than let us know. Tanvir sent in a question because he's always up at a crazy o'clock in the morning, even on a Sunday when it's coming home. Question for the State of Wrestling Address. So far this year, what's been your favourite pay-per-view, Carl Wilkinson? Quick fire. Um, probably Mania, just because we had the crowd. There were some incredible matches that happened on either night. I mean, if we have to break it down, I guess night one was better than night two, but def- definitely Mania for me, I think. Uh, one of the NXT takeovers. Hard to tell you which one. Probably because the one. All that... Twelve out of ten. Huh? Is it because they're all twelve out of tens? Pretty much. I would yeah. probably say the one that had Volta versus Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, naughty. Yeah, filthy. Yeah. Just thinking about that match makes me horny. Um, who is the best wrestler so far this year for you, Mister Wilkinson? Oh, damn. Um, a lot of only one person in my opinion. I mean, a lot of people I could imagine would say Roman, but it's I still like it. It's starting to fall off of me just a little bit. Um, last year I don't really care about. I think Josh Alexander's had a great year thus far, and that's where I'm going to stop because it's got to be the walking weapon, doesn't it? It's Josh Alexander. He's my wrestler of the year, and I'll be stunned if anyone gets even fucking close. Josh Alexander is by far and away the best wrestler this year in any company, anywhere, particularly considering that he does it with a tiny percentage of exposure that all the other wrestlers are afforded. Even the NJPW talents are afforded much bigger fucking audiences than he'll ever get uh, in Impact at least and the independent. Hey, hey, he's been at New Japan Strong the last few weeks. Yeah, because even NJPW recognizes real. Man. Most overrated wrestler of the year so far. Overrated? I mean, it's Omega. Yeah, obviously. It's Omega. Kenny Omega. It's not even close. It's not because Kenny Omega is shit. It's because Kenny Omega is a massive downgrade in AEW compared to what we saw in NJPW. That's the biggest problem for me. And that's what hurts the most. I feel like we're getting a really bullshit, shitty, terrible version of him. And I think he's a crap heel. He's got a terrible dress sense. And I don't hate him because he's a good heel. I hate him because I, I fast forward all his segments. Even this week, I just fast-forwarded until I heard fucking Eva Luno come out. You know, the fact that Eva Luno dwarfed Kenny Omega on a microphone, it's not a good thing. Uh, who's the most underrated wrestler of the year so far? Cool. Um, fuck me. He does have here. Think of it as a mini halfway awards of the year. Bit cheeky getting your, your own individual awards fucking show in, but we'll keep it there. Nonetheless, we answer everyone's questions, whether we like you or not. We do love Tanvir dearly, though. We, we do. Even though, um, even though he is an annoying little shite. <laughs> underrated. I, Come on, who's underrated? I don't think I can. 
me, I'm underrated. I don't get nearly enough credit in the podcasting world or the wrestling world. Slowly but surely, more and more people are starting to recognise just how much value I have. But to the people who didn't want to fucking believe me, or the companies that don't want to use me, or the wrestlers that think that I'm, you know, I'm too nice, or that I fucking ask for too much when I say that people should get, you know, paid and stuff of that nature, fuck you. I'm underrated, mate. I do great things for the wrestling business and in general, and I never get the respect I deserve. I've got a chip on my shoulder. So me, I'm underrated. Aaron Nix, 2021's most underrated. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, I can't think of one because pick one, you bitch. I mean, don't let down our fans. No, I'm not. I don't want to. Um, Even if it is Tanvir. <laughs> I don't know. I I would like to see Hangman doing more stuff. I know he's kind of he's underrated. Kind of st- he's finally stepping up to Omega, I guess. But. I mean, the stuff he's been doing with the Dark Order, it's been fun, I guess, even though I don't watch Fuckboy Wrestling, but I just, I still think he should have been their first world champion. I still think that they could have built the company around this guy. And the fact that we've been waiting how long for Omega and Paige? So let's let's go with with Hangman. I love that guy. As a genuinely serious answer alongside myself, Josh Alexander again. Through. You know, so just... he's the best wrestler of the year. Um, because like he doesn't get enough credit. He is, in my opinion, the best wrestler in the world right now. He consistently has the best matches. He had an Iron Man match with by the way, TJP, massively underrated as well. Yep. Never gets any love. I don't know why that is. There's this weird rumor going around Twitter that I've seen people dabble in, which I don't get because there's no evidence of that whatsoever. And I think it's disgusting to throw that out there without evidence. Um, But I think TJP is a great worker. He consistently interacts with his fans. He has incredible matches. Athletically, he's one of the best in the world. Um, He's so smooth as well, technically. I, I... find it amazing how people look past him every single time but they do maybe it's because he has a bit of an attitude but hey if i was that good at something i'd be fucking arrogant too so yeah that wraps up the questions thank you very much ladies and gentlemen i appreciate you sending those in something different for us to dabble over and you know deliberate over um you can now fuck off because me and carl are just going to chat until we're pissed off um how much? How much of the uh, Euros have you been paying attention to, Mister Wilkinson? Have you seen just, all the? Just you and the lads with the constant updates. That's it. Like I'll yeah. I'll come into the Instagram fucking group chat. It'll be like seventy eight messages, and I'll read like I'll read through them. Like I don't know what any of this means. I don't know who did what, or all I know is that it's coming home. That's literally all I know. I don't know what that means. I was, well, it means England's going to win it, but like that. That's all I got. I have no fucking idea. Have you seen, before we uh, break it down to football, rather quickly, have you seen the main event of UFC 264 that just went down? And spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to talk about it. So if you haven't seen UFC yet, don't listen to this portion. I mean, I don't give a shit about UFC, but I saw it. Uh, Apparently, Conor McGregor was beaten via a doctor stop. Yeah, because he busted his ankle. Yeah, and apparently lower leg injury in the first round. Yeah, and then apparently while he's down on the mat, he's shit-talking... His opponent's wife going, yeah, she co- like she caused me to bet or some shit. I'm like, you're not a. I think your Conor wife McGregor's- is at ringside, mate. What you want yeah. about? I think McGregor's incredibly overrated. I don't, yeah. I don't disagree that he definitely brought a lot of eyes to. He's a money maker. He's not he a is. great fighter. He's a money maker. But 
UFC was big before him. It's going to be big after him. He's right. He's just a, a, very, a very big bump. Yeah. There's no Griffins, man. There's no Bonners. There's no more Silva at his peak. No oh, more GSP at his peak. There's no big stars anymore. I was saying no. this to my mate Danny earlier. Boxing has gone so far downhill. Like apparently, I think it was Chris Eubanks' son, sat, sadly, or Chris Eubanks' brother or something. One of the Eubanks family sadly just passed away just out of nowhere the other day, um, which was really sad. And I just remember sort of so we were talking about how Chris, you know, Chris Eubank, uh, who is, you know, you might not know him as well. He was very famous in Britain, especially in England uh, as a boxer. He was so dapper. You know, he was the kind of guy who would talk. He was, I was a very eloquent human being. I would talk very eloquently. You know, he's very much kind of like um, Dusty Rhodes in a lot of ways in the way he would talk, you know. But mm. he was so eloquent and so smooth. And he'd wear immaculate suits and waistcoats and that. But he'd get in the ring and he'd fuck your ass up. And it was so cool because he was so sophisticated. And boxers aren't regarded as being highly sophisticated. Uh, please see Mike Tyson. <laughs> um, you know. Sorry, what? Let's, let's see some Mike Tyson? <laughs> I do love it how whenever someone says Mike Tyson, it's like mandatory that somebody does an impression of him. Um, my favorite impression of Mike Tyson will always be Dedrick Tatum, I think his name is, in The Simpsons, um, which is just the most biggest rip-off of him I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so funny. And he's just like, apparently, um, so this is a fun little story. We'll run off on tangents. When I used to work at Royal Mail as a postman, one of our friends in there, a guy called Mike, he printed off every cast member, even remotely major cast member of The Simpsons, and put this big mural up, right? So he printed them all off, stuck them on the side of his frame, because we all had frames for our duties. And then he would put um, names under them of all of us for who he thought we were most like. And some of them were really spot on. Like we had a guy called, uh, who we called, his real name was Mike, but we called him Granddad. Because he was like proper old, he was from the north, I to up north. And every time you asked him how he was, he went, Oh, I'm fucking shit. That's all he'd say, I'm fucking shite. I'm always fucking miserable. I hate fucking life. I just want to go on and play video games. He was like 60 odd and playing Mass Effect, which I thought was so cool. Um, and he was the spitting image of Hans Molman, the spitting image of <laughs> stunning. And you'd be like, What you are, that is some crazy shit. Like, you would honestly believe if you met him. The cartoon characters based off of you because the mannerisms, everything is the same. Oh dear, <laughs> it's just so eerily similar. Um, but yeah, they I always got Dredrick Tatum, and I think that's because I was the only person of any kind of color in the office, but also because apparently I strike, I'm apparently the kind of person who, if there was a prison riot, would tell people to keep it down and they would all say sorry and go into their beds for fear of <laughs> pissing me off. So you know, make of that what you will, but apparently I have some clout in prisons, according to the other lads. It was very much like being in prison. Um, I don't even know what we were originally talking about. Oh yeah, Euros, Euro 2021. So England are in the first ever major footballing final since 1966 um, when they won the World Cup. This is their first ever final since then and their second ever final full stop, actually. Um, yeah, no, football fever is literally running rampant in this country and with it comes a hysterical amount of racism because nothing says i support england like the sun stellar and severe amounts of racism and abuse towards people who don't like football so carl wilkinson who's winning is it going to be england or is it going to be italy i mean for my own safety i must say england it's coming home lads it's coming home do you, re- do you know why they say it's coming home? 
Um, I don't because apparently it hasn't come home since 1966. So no, it has not. It has not. So that's, it, that's longer. Just before you, that's longer than the Toronto Maple Leafs for the Stanley Cup, by the way. So every two years there is a major football tournament. Um, so well, let's put it this way: every four years, but they go concurrently every two years. You have the European Championships, and then two years later you have the World Cup, then two years later you have the European Championships, then two years later you have the World Cup, and so on and so on. And this has been the case for quite some time now. The first World Cup, I believe, was in 1930. Any prizes? Well, I'll give you a prize. If you can tell me, Carl Wilkinson, where the first World Cup was held, I'll give you four guesses. I'll give you five. You've got five countries, right? Five, Five guesses, sorry. One country hosted the first World Cup. I'll give you something quite special. And no, it's not a blowjob, ladies and gentlemen. If you can tell me what the where the first World Cup was hosted. Yeah, well, if it's not a blowjob, I'm not going to try super hard. Um... Fine. <laughs> I don't try super hard when I do a good blowjob. So it's, it's on you. I, mean... I look forward to all the angry white supremacists who are also homophobes sending me messages. I want to say countries that, like, it was... was it... I'll tell you one thing. It's not an obvious country. So think outside the box. Um, Would it be the Sudan? No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, is it the World Cup or the Euro? Just the The Euro. The World Cup. And the clue is, it's not actually in Europe. Okay. Well, I mean... Pretty sure Sudan isn't either. No, it's not. I really hope not. Although if the Sudan Um... ever hosts the Euros, then you know the fucking jig is up. (laughs) Um, Japan. No, good, good shout though. I like that. So that's the outside the box thinking that will get you somewhere. Um, you had two. You got yeah. three left. It wasn't Canada, was it? That'd be hilarious. No, it was not. Okay. No, it was not Canada. I don't believe it ever hosted a major. Correction: They did host the Women's World Cup, okay. and rightfully um, so. Shout out to Kaylin Carr, by the way. Wow. She's got your namesake, mate. Stunning. Um, South Africa? No. They actually hosted the 2010 World Cup. Damn. Got one left. It's a continent you haven't mentioned yet. Okay, well, there's... You've done North America. You, I said it's not in Europe, so it's not Europe. It's not in North America. It's not in Asia. I mean, at that point, there's... Not in Africa. Then it's in South America somewhere. Bingo. Okay. I mean, but if it's, if it's somewhere not obvious, I don't want to say Brazil. Peru? Ah, close, but no cigar. Damn. Uruguay. Really? Yeah, Uruguay hosted the first World Cup. And if I do remember rightly, I believe they also won it. Um, She's pretty stunning. And a lot of that was because most footballers had to get uh, special ferries and boats from different countries. Imagine going halfway around the world in a ferry to go and play the World Cup in Uruguay. That was in 1930. So, yeah. There you go. Quiz time with Carl Wilkinson has come to an end for now. Send in questions for Carl Wilkinson that I can ask him. Send them only to me, obviously, at Aaron Nick's Design. 
um, or at WrestlePlug, actually, because I don't think Kyle has access to the WrestlePlug accounts. And um, if you've got any questions strictly for Kyle that are completely <laughs> left-wing that you think this funky little Canadian dude will have a hard time answering, send them to me and we'll ask them on a future future podcast. So basically, the reason people are saying it's coming home is because in Euro 96, so what basically they will put the name so they always say for instance this is euro 2020 technically but it's in 2021 which is weird in itself um but they always say euro and then the year so euro 96 which is 1996 was actually in england the whole tournament this tournament was actually meant to be across all the major european countries like azerbaijan um Fucking UEFA criminals. That's because money. Baku all of a sudden found itself a lot of oil. Isn't that strange? Um, by the way, 30p for a litre of gasoline. Fuck you. Um, fucking four times that over it. Uh, yeah, so basically in Euro 96, because uh, there's a very famous little band called Lightning Seeds who actually played last night just round the corner from me, and I cannot believe I didn't go. Shameful. And they sung a very famous song uh, called... Um, Free Lions, which is about the England logo. I don't know if you've seen it. It's got Free Lions on it. The English line, you know, war, crusades and all that. Uh, Richard the Lionhearted, let's go. Yeah, a little bit like that. Uh, and yeah, um, yeah, basically exactly like that, actually. It's all about the crusades, baby. It's all about stamping on all them foreign cultures. That's that's how England does. And yeah, so basically they sang a song called It's Coming Home. Um, and, you know, Free Lions on the shirt. And the famous line from that was, It's coming home, it's coming football's coming home and since then every single fucking tournament uh it's coming home lads it's coming home and it never even gets close to coming home but this time round, it has come home technically because the final is in england it's at wembley and if england win then football will have officially come and the reason they also say that is because we invented football so technically football needs to come home so there you go the more you know the more you know. And by the way, if England win, you will never, ever, ever stop hearing that fucking term ever again. It will get so fucking annoying that actually people will end up hating it, I reckon. <laughs> it will. It will get so irritating. Just be like a what chant for wrestling fans? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you thought wrestling was stupid. Football fandom can be fucking astonishing. I love football so much, but... I actually really burn out. I watched pretty much all the Euro matches um, because obviously I work from home, which is great. So it's always on. And I'm just so burnt out. I've watched so much football, mate. I'm exhausted. Like, I just want the final to be over and done with. I'm fucking sick. I love football more than anyone else. I challenge anyone to fucking be as passionate about football as I do. I have a season to get to Lincoln City. Don't talk to me about passion of football. But even I'm like, I need a fucking break because the normal season starts in a month, less than a month. Lincoln's first game of the season is August the 7th. Like, that's not even a month away and we're still watching like, oh, geez, I need a break. Too much football. I'm burnt out as fuck. So, yeah. Um, anything you want to talk about, mate? I mean, you know, sad to say Montreal go out in five, but Tampa was the better team, back-to-back champions, which does not happen in hockey. Such a Canadian response. If I had an English person talking about this, you're fucked, Tampa Bay. They're a bunch of cheating cunts. (laughs) Nah, they were were the better team. They were what Montreal was, but better. That's, uh, yeah, it's a very honest assessment, to be fair. But Carey Price will be the best goaltender to have never won a Stanley Cup. And that's devastating. 
Why is he going to retire now? Or? I do, I don't think he has a chance to win one in Montreal. Oh, okay. What they just not a good enough team to win, or I don't think so because they I don't think to, they got to the final. <laughs> but this was a weird Canadian teams played each other for the entire season because they couldn't cross the border. Well, got, like when the season first started. Are you excited about Space Jam? No. Why not? Because they they didn't need to make another one. Do you think they should have left it with the incredible Bill Murray and Michael Jordan? Yes. That's nothing against LeBron. That's I love the only two. Yeah, I can just hear but, all the Lakers fans. Yo, fuck you, Wilkinson. No, but like New Yorkers, but apparently they do. Oh, fuck you. Yo, fuck you. Los Angeles Lakers. To be fair, most LA Lakers fans don't live in LA anyway, so there's probably quite a few in New York because who would support the Knicks? What a dumpster fire. Hey, hey, the, the, the Nets are still kind of there. The Nets are actually quite good. So although thank you, Nets, for fucking ruining Miami Heat uh, even more by not beating the Milwaukee Bucks who swept us in the first round of the playoffs. So also shout out to Miami for not actually bothering to really turn up this season at the playoffs. <laughs> Oh, what do you think about Phoenix Suns and Milwaukee Bucks being in the fucking finals of the NBA? I mean, it's not the Raptors, so I have a little less interest, but it's still deep. That's true. Who would you rather win out of those two? Who do you think is going to win? I probably... probably the Bucks. I don't. I I think it'll be a close series. I think it'll be at Can least I six. The Suns, just because I'm sick and tired of hearing the term the Bucks. <laughs> I think it'll be at least six games. I hate the Young Bucks yeah. so much that I just want the Milwaukee Bucks as I've <laughs> No, it's because I actually hate the Milwaukee Bucks because I'm sick and tired of their toxic fan base constantly throwing racial abuse and shit on Twitter. Yeah, you fucking know who you are. You're out there, you cunts. Um, plus, they just hate my... Everyone hates Miami. They feel like we're a bandwagon team. It's like, dude, we haven't got any massive megastars anymore other than Jimmy Butler. Why are you all shitting on us? Why are you so scared of Miami, bruh? Or are you just jealous because ultimately people would much rather live in Miami than Milwaukee? Just saying. Where are you going to go, Carl Wilkinson, if you get the choice? you want to go and have blackjack and cocaine and hookers? Or do you want to go to Milwaukee and milk a cow with Steve Blackman? Where is Milwaukee? Is that Wisconsin? That's Wisconsin, baby. Yeah, I'm not going to Wisconsin. Ha! Fuck you, Dexter. Dexter Critchman lives in Wisconsin. <laughs> as does well, his uh, wonderful partner, Michaela. And my boy, Lance. And numerous other people who probably aren't too racist. But a lot of racist, too. <laughs> I've heard that it's like a really bad state to live in if you're black. Like, the like the state of like education of black people in that state is horrible. Like They have like an unbelievably low percentage, one of the lowest in America in terms of black people being educated. Man, that's probably statewide. But America's for everybody, remember? America. Hey, you, you leave President Biden alone. He's totally going to change all of... <laughs> Biden well, actually done anything, because I haven't really been paying attention. Um, I don't fucking know, man. You're, clo- you're closer. I was hoping you might have some deets from over the border or something. Dude, I don't even care about my own politics, let alone other countries. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I'm told that Canada has like... Do you still have... Um, what's his name? Trudeau as president. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Prime Minister, but yes. Prime Minister, yeah, of course, because you're like, you know, British colonialism and all that. Um, hey, co- hey, Commonwealth, man, don't forget, we asked to leave, and you guys are like, it's too much money to say no, so fuck off. What, did you pay us to leave then? No, but you, the crowd didn't want to I ain't money. seen any good maple syrup over here, and I assume that's your currency. 
Yeah, we generally just like to uh, slather it on. Some of that loony, eh? <laughs> well, go get you a loony and tune it in. I'm pretty sure you've... Mate, like, how do you not have special Space Jam loony bills? Looney what tunes, we... brah. Come on. I don't know, man. I, uh, I don't work in the Royal Canadian Mint. I don't have this information. <laughs> you what? You don't <laughs> work in the Mint? I, I don't, shockingly. Oh, I don't work in that, uh, that uh, Canadian Mint, eh? Yeah, not, not working Polo's up Polo's down there, eh? Polo's are probably no. more than a loony at this point, isn't yeah. it? I'm not working up in that there Sudbury in the nickel mines, eh, to help uh, oh, make up your currency. It's a bit of fun, because most people are... Well, everyone's... Nobody's listening at this point, let's be real. Um, so I want to know what you have that we also have. So, do you have Snickers bars? Yep. Do you have Mars bars? Yep. They used to be called Marathon. Um, do you have Smarties? Oh, yeah, of course we do. That's amazing. Um, do you have Curly Whirlies? No. So, Curly Whirly is quite literally what it sounds like. It's a very, very curly, crazy, chewy, toffee kind of chocolate bar thing. When I was a kid, I used to love Curly Whirlies. Nowadays, I think it's probably like the prime fucking chocolate bar that's used to lure children away from, you know, school gates and things of that nature. Things are getting dark again. Um, <laughs> do you have Wham Bars? No, I've heard of those, but we don't have them. So Wham Bars are just like proper full-on like fucking crazy, like chewy sweet bar sort of things, but they seem to be they used to be very popular. Do you have Freddos? Um, no. Do you have Cadbury's? The brand. Like, like cream eggs and shit? Yeah, like Cadbury's yeah. make cream eggs in it. Yep. Because you, because uh, Hershey's is kind of like a bigger chocolate thing over there, isn't it? Yes, definitely. And I'm told, is this correct, but Hershey's doesn't use proper milk. They use like powdered milk or something. Uh, that could be true, but... A lot of people are always kicking off at Hershey's saying that it doesn't taste as nice. If it is, I will live in my blissful ignorance because a Hershey's... Cookies and cream bar is the best thing in the fucking world. Seems fair. That seems fair. Um, let's see. What's quintessentially... Do you have... Can you get, like, fish and chips? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's How a fish and chip place. Um, I really like it. There's a. It's a family-owned place here called Jeff Purvey's. <laughs> Purvey's? That's, yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah, but they, uh, they've got a really good... Uh, Halibut what fish? What fish do they have at Fish and Chips? Uh, Tell me. Uh, my my favorite's the halibut. I love me some halibut and chips. Halib okay, okay. First of all, halibut. we need to step in here. First of all, it's also the the only real one I've had. They've also got some haddock, which is pretty good. Haddocks, I haddock is my go-to fish. I try not. I don't eat cod much, but I like cod because it's quite cheap and affordable. Although I'm sure somebody's watched Seaspiracy and is going to fucking give out to me on the Twitter now for this, but. Um, yeah, I suppose it's because halibut, obviously, you probably have very different fishing to us, don't you? Because obviously you're, you know, in a much more colder region of the world. So, Well, I mean, although I'm sure a lot of the fish probably is caught off the coast of uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, like right in, the, right in the Atlantic. So it's probably brought over. The Canadian portion of this show is getting out of hand. <laughs> Coming up next week, we taste different maple syrups while throwing snow at each other. I also, I do like some salmon. I had some, like... Uh, spicy chili salmon the other day. Yeah, any Scottish really salmon good. over there? Do they import it? Uh, probably not. No, at least not. I was going to say that would not be very sensible from an importing standpoint. Scottish yeah. salmon is very nice. I really recommend it if you get the chance. Very cool to know that you have fish and chips though. How's Tim Horton doing? Yeah, he he's okay. He's uh, making that money into coffee donuts. 
Yes. Yes, I am. I am yet to have Tim Hortons. There is Tim Hortons over here, though, but it's like fucking three-hour drive away, so I'm not driving three hours just for a Tim Hortons. Although next time I'm in Leicester, yo, Tim Hortons, I'm hitting you up. It's kind of like a thing now. If I see anything Tim Hortons related, I'll just message you immediately. I'm like, yo, check this out. You're <laughs> Canadian. Does this fill you with pride? No, I mean, in a, in some of our local uh, grocery stores and markets and stuff, there's like a, they call it an international section. So like they'll sometimes have Ooh. like, yeah. It, it's fair, like I'm not going to take the piss because we have exactly that. And it's normally just full of American candy. Yeah. Oh, and Polish sausage. Oh, so kielbasa? Uh, do you know what? I've had some of that. I'm not a huge fan. I love kielbasa. I think it's okay. I think it's a bit overrated, to be honest. Um, it depends. Think, we have a lot of Polish immigrants over here, so you'd think that we'd have really good shit, but I don't rate it. Um, no, our international section, we always have always one lonely box of Lucky Charms. <laughs> always. Oh, I love Lucky Charms. Oh, they're after me, Lucky Charms. So, shout out, because I know he'll be listening. You know Cameron, King Fuckboy. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, Cameron Anderson, right, we went round his house after the, I want to say, yeah, it was when England beat Germany, which is obviously a big deal, as you can imagine. Um, we beat Germany in the Euros this year. And we went back to his house afterwards, and we watched King of the Ring 1993. That uh, sounds awful. Good. Excuse no, no, 93 is good. 95 is bad. So How dare you? Bad. Bam, no, Bam, 95. Bret Hart, mate, in the final. Not it. It's 95. You, as, as a Canadian, I'd expect better from you. <laughs> I, I mean, I was two years old in 93, and Cam wasn't even born yet. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, fucking, yeah. I mean, some would argue that Cam still isn't born yet. Let's just say he has yet to be born to this day. Uh, he's still better than that annoying shitbag Cruz, isn't he? Let's be honest. Fucking, you know, Jack. You don't know him as Cruz, do you? Aaron Cruz. No, I, I know who it is now because you guys have said it a hundred times. <laughs> bury him at every possible opportunity. I'm catching up on, on the wrestling names. This podcast has now just turned into like one for the boys. Um, yeah, so no, but like I love this is this is so Cam, right? This shows you how important it is to be young and handsome, like Cam would say he is. Um <laughs> pretty, pretty handsome to be fair. He's a good looking motherfucker. Um yeah, so like I noticed there was a box of Lucky Charms on one of his um, shelves. And I was like, yo, dude, you got Lucky Charms out there? And he was like, yeah, I bought them, but like I don't I don't want to eat them because they're like full of sugar and stuff. The one did... oh. freaking box of Lucky Charms. What a melt. I love Lucky Charms. You know what? For anyone who's still listening, who reckons we should, we should auction off that box of Lucky Charms? Who wants Cam's box of Lucky Charms? He could be a big deal in wrestling. Cameron Anderson, ladies and gentlemen. Soon to be making his debut in CWP. Yeah, if he makes it that far, if he keeps shit talking about Batman villains. <laughs> oh, that was fucking... He, <laughs> yeah, he was in maximum <laughs> troll mode, wasn't he there? He thinks yeah. Jared Leto is the best Batman. Why do you hate Jared Leto so much, Carl? It's not that I hate him... I just want him to die. <laughs> no. I, I don't think his performance was that bad. It was a little hammy. Like, it was almost as bad as, like, Cesar Romero hammy. Cesar Romero? I just thought of Cesar Bononi. But we, we didn't see enough of it to actually get an opinion. 
even in the extended cut, there was there was definitely a lot more, but it wasn't the same. Hmm. But it's it's hard to look at Jared Leto when you see what Heath Ledger did. It's hard to look at him when you see the career Mark Hamill had. I know it was just a voice, but Mark Hamill is still the Joker to me because, like, I watched Batman the Animated Series, you know, all of those shows for years. Even Jack Nicholson. I love Jack Nicholson's Joker. Yeah, I thought Jack Nicholson was quite good. I always think the most underrated character portrayal in the history of comic books is Jim Carrey's Riddler. See, I love Batman Forever. I shouldn't because it's not that good. Joel Schumacher it's kind really of... Not. It's a terrible no, jo- jo- Joel Schumacher kind of took my favorite superhero and wiped his ass with it and then spit on me when he was done. But I like how you take it personally. I do. I, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm like Michael Jordan. Every time someone says something about him after losing a game in the playoffs, and I took oh, that. He's person. got that meme. <laughs> yeah, he's a very yeah. sensitive motherfucker, isn't he? For somebody who's worth billions. Yeah. Hey, that last dance documentary was actually really good. I still need to finish watching that. I'm working my way through Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown for like the fiftieth time because it is just so romantic and magical. Uh, the best meme going right now is the one from Fast Nine, where you know, you know. Oh how... God! <laughs> yeah, the family. Don't, 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 don't go in there. T Rex could kill you. You know what a T Rex doesn't have? Family. That is like that meme is it's, everywhere right now. It's so good. It's getting out of hand now, though, brother. Oh well, yeah, a hundred percent. But uh, like, my bu- yeah, my buddy shared one to me yesterday. Um, it's a Lord of the Rings one. It's uh, it's Ghibli with Dom. He's going. Never thought I'd die fighting by the side of a Toretto. And Dom says, "How about side by side with family?" <laughs> I haven't seen Fast Nine yet. The one person I know who has seen it said it was shit. So, I mean, they haven't been good since like five. So, I haven't seen anything past two. So, I remember when this series was about cars and hot chicks, That's and now fair. they're like robbing banks and the rocks beating people up. Sounds like an improvement, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I uh, all I've it's seen in the entire franchise is you know when what's his name when Paul Walker drove away. It's been a long, it's a long time without you, my friend. Now all we need is like Tokyo Drift because that one was fun. Yeah, that was pain. I did see Tokyo Drift actually. That was fucking sick. Not for a long time. I need to rewatch that. But yeah, I'm getting yelled at for all the films I haven't seen. Do you know what? That seems like a good place to end it because if it goes on any longer, I think most of our listeners will probably kill themselves too. Um, anything else you want to add, mate, before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I don't think so. We've been just kind of prattling on for the last, what, hour? Just shooting the breeze, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this very long and very amusing podcast. Hopefully it's amused you anyway. I need to sleep. I'm fucking knackered. Um, it's seven o'clock in the morning. You crazy seven in the morning, bitch. and I haven't slept yet. I've been busy customizing trainers, and um, yeah. So oh, that's my new thing. I'm trying out customizing trainers. Um, so yeah. Um, common England. <laughs> it's coming home. Coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. We still believe. Home. Yeah, Didn't I'll send you the song. Like I'll okay. send you the song, and you can listen to it and swat up, and we'll get you to sing it with me next time. Um, 
Unless Italy win, in which case, you know, Forza Italia. No, I fucking hate those diving Italians. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting. Nonetheless, England will have 67,000 fans backing them. Yeah, Wembley, oh, way, like we are two... two weeks away from everything from COVID being optional. Even including masks? Yep. Masks wow. will be optional, the whole lot. Even though we have a record, they reckon by that point we will be getting a hundred thousand COVID cases a day, a hundred thousand a day. But because our vaccination program has, I think, something almost 40 million people now have been fully vaccinated out of, I want to say, 60 something, um, they reckon that that will do enough. So, I mean, the vaccination isn't a cure, you can still get it. People do need to realize that. <laughs> our government doesn't um, <laughs> because ultimately the economy will completely crash if they don't fucking just open air. to be fair everything is open like it's pretty much normal now the only difference is that you have to put a mask on when you go into a shop that's basically the only difference now yeah. everyone's back at work there is no kind of you know mandatory working from home yeah. there is no real enforced bubbles anymore people are meeting up in their droves um, yeah like cinemas are open um you know, so like I went to pub in the park in Tunbridge Wells yesterday. I got to see James Blunt live. You're beautiful. That guy. You're yeah. beautiful. It's true. I will say I one thing. <laughs> He's actually really funny. Really funny. He comes out and he says, um, do you know what I think? You know, he said, this is the first time I've played live in a year and a half. Uh, this is brilliant. This is my favorite bit. He just goes, this is the first time in a year and a half I've played live. Uh, it's a very beautiful beautiful moment and i feel like you know we, there's so much uplifting presence about everything that we're doing and the key workers and everything so let me play one of my usually depressing songs for you <laughs> it's just like so macabre and hates his own music um he's brilliant he said like it's all right for you people like you have a choice whether you want to listen or play james blunt songs when you're you know in full fucking self-isolation me i don't have a choice i have to listen to me <laughs> he's very good very funny he's very good live as well beautiful beautiful voice actually um i also got to see the kingdom choir who apparently performed at harry and megan's wedding wow who that now nah, i know who that is i just don't <laughs> care well one of them's brown so she's hated worldwide apparently by all english um because there's a lot of racists who live here. But Common England is coming home. Anyway, I said I was going to wrap this up. Um, so, yeah, uh, let us know if you're still listening. If you are, you fucking absolute soldier. Uh, we'll have to send you something to say thank yeah, you. Why? What? Yeah, why? Yeah, fucking get a life, you loser. Um, especially Tanvir, because I know he's listening. He'll, he'll send me a message and probably tell me, like, the entire history of choirs all the way up to, like, you know, 1950 or something. Um, he'll find something anal to message me about, bless his heart while he's clanging and banging in the gym. Um, and shout out to Chuggo Gaming as well for being fucking awesome and checking in with me and also being really fucking cool with his fitness journey. And shout out to anyone you want to shout out, Wilkinson? I mean, you know, Nail sending in a question. Always appreciated. She's a G. She won't have listened by this point. No, God, no. no. But it's always, it's always good People to see. People have tuned out as soon as we stopped talking about Ethan Page. It's always good to see her love of all things ego flooding my timeline. It's nice to see. Yeah. You hear this, Tony Khan? Push Ethan Page. Otherwise, I shall tell the world, like everyone else has, that you wank off dogs. 
Oh, that's... You could see Kyle's face as a response to that. It was phenomenal. It was just one of such utter despair for life, which you will actually, if you spend a lot of time looking at Kyle Wilkinson, get used to that look. <laughs> Going for the red rocket, is he? Oh, God, I remember that. That still scarred <laughs> me when I was young. Never mind now. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have a Switch. Well, I've had it for a while, but I have games that are actually worth playing now. I have Mario Kart, Mario Odyssey, and Mario Rabbids. A lot of Mario stuff. Um, and also a few cool independent games, including Grim Fandango Remastered, which is ping! So yeah, if anyone wants my Switch thing, just message me at Design or at WrestleBug and you have my Switch ID and we can play each other at Mario Kart. And while away the time... Yeah, I have a turn my Switch on it forever. My Animal Crossing Island is probably disgusting. All my neighbors have probably left. Yeah. Oh, you know our PC that we bought? Did you get it back yet? Yeah, we just got it back. Guess what doesn't work when we tried to turn it on? Oh, don't know. What? That PC, right? So, full disclosure, we bought a PC from eBuyer for £1,000 sterling. That's a lot of money when you are extremely poor and living on the breadline like we do, especially me. And... So got the PC, and it worked to an extent. You could play games on it, but it would relentlessly crash, constantly crashing all the time under any duress if you're doing any editing or anything like that. And by the way, it is a fucking brand spanking new AMD fucking monster. It's got this ridiculous graphical chipset in it, like, you know, a processor that is like, I think it's got like, I think it's 16, a 16 core um, RTX processor. You know, it's good. It's good. Um, and it just it just binged it, and then all of a sudden it got to the point where you couldn't actually even turn it on. And if you did turn it on, you couldn't see anything on the screen. So we rang them up and said, "Right, uh, refund, please." And they were like, "Yeah, we don't do refunds, but we'll fix it for you because it's under warranty." It's like, "Cool, okay, send it off to be fixed." Uh, two weeks pass. They said that normally it takes that we get it fixed and back to you within five days. Well, that was fucking a lie right there. Uh, we got it back yesterday, day before yesterday. Uh, I plugged it in yesterday uh, when I got back from the festival. Doesn't work. Like the PC's on, but there's nothing on the screen. And I thought, okay, maybe it's just a case of the monitor's a bit dodgy or whatever. Got an HDMI, plugged it into the TV. Nothing. Tried all kinds of different sources. Nothing. So we've got to ring them up Monday. So expect my timeline to be full of absolute abject hatred towards eBuyer because actually they, by law, should be fucking refunding me or completely replacing my product due to the Consumer Rights Act that I believe was enacted in 1970-something. It's amazing that I know more about the law than companies do. That's quite depressing. So, yeah, that's that's my rageful part. But other than that, life isn't too bad. I'm over my horrible, horrible, dark, I want to kill myself stint of life that I have pretty much every two months. Um, so... Yeah, it's all good. Medication. I'm not on medication anymore, which is good. So there's that. Um, yeah, no, not much else to report, really. Go away. Go and do something else with your lives that's productive. And also message us and let us know what you're up to. And if, as always, you are struggling with anything, feel free to message Carl Wilkinson because he is always in a good state of mind and will always happily listen to your affairs. <laughs> mm -hmm. He nods. Yeah. But honestly... Send him some love, actually. I worry about him sometimes. And also, tell him that if he doesn't turn up for work, I'm going to replace him with a combination of Dexter and Jay Miller. I mean, I'd be okay with the first half. Can you imagine if you spliced the two? What would you get? An IT technician that rambles on about balsamic vinaigrette 
Brussels sprouts, which Jeez. by the way is still spoken about now. Remember the uh, end of year awards, and he started banging on about Brussels sprouts. Yep. Yeah. Reduced balsamic recipe. <laughs> He'll listen to this one day and be like, why do these guys hate me? You pussy all. Um, yeah, so that is still talked about by the lads today. They still like, when I bump into Archie and George, who, by the way, had only just met me recently for the first time, never mind fucking Jay Miller, who lives in America. They were like, oh my God, these balsamic Brussels sprouts. <laughs> it's a running joke now. Like, I've got to add balsamic Brussels sprouts now to the fucking sports bar that we normally do these podcasts in. Terrifying. I love how off the rails this podcast is now. We just release whenever we fucking please and do whatever we please for about the 10 people who still live. I can't wait to meet the lads. Oh, you'll have a great time, mate. We'll get you over here eventually. Save us some money, get a flight, we'll take care of the rest. If Ooh. needs be, you can sleep under the stairs. There's no dog in there at the moment. Oh, I'll tell you, I went to see Igor the other day. I went to visit him. Oh, how's he doing? Fucking almost cried, mate. He's really good, though. He's with this beautiful woman called David. So full disclosure for the one person who is still listening, Igor was my foster dog. He was the first foster dog that I took on. And the idea was that I would basically help rehabilitate him, you know, get him into a good frame of mind, give him a good home. And then we would find a forever home for him. And it's horrible emotionally when you get attached, which you're going to because it's a dog. Come on. Dogs are amazing. Cats are fucking shit. Oh, I've got a fun story to end the show on, actually, with cats. Um so, yeah, no, um, Igor went to a forever home. Lovely woman called Debbie. Single woman with a lovely kid. She's a uh, kid's 13, but is really good with dogs, which is great. Um, and, yeah, no, she gets to work from home. She's very, very, very – she's not rich, but she's very affluent. And she loves walking in the local forest and things like that. So, yeah, we uh, went to see him the other day. And um, he was, yeah, just a bundle of joy. Kind of different, though in a weird way. He barely recognised me, which was a bit sad, but I felt, I think that was probably better because if he'd gone mad when he saw me, then I think that probably would have fucked me up a bit. So I was, but I'm pleased for him. He's got a wonderful home. His owner's an amazing woman um, and he'll do very well. So yeah, yeah. hopefully I'll be getting a, another dog soon. We've been looking at maybe a Yorkshire Terrier that needs rehousing or something like that. So uh, stay tuned to my social media if you want to check it out, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, my fun story with cats. So, um, we have uh, a neighbor that we don't really know, but he's got a cunt of a cat, right? So this cat is a fucking arsehole. And this cat decided that it was going to shit in one of our big plant pots out of nowhere. Um, so and th- let this be a lesson to you, ladies and gentlemen, if you think your cat is going to get away with bullshit on my fucking property. So by the way, full disclosure, I didn't kill it <laughs> before you start getting all emotional because I hate <laughs> cats, but not that much. So yeah, catch. Bear on this plant pot, right? It's about half a meter high. So he wouldn't must have got up, perched like a motherfucker, and laid down a whopping amount of spotting shit in there. So um, I scooped up all of that shit. Not with my hands, obviously. Well, sort of, you know, bag and all that sort of stuff. And then there was a shit ton of slugs in there as well. So I thought, yo, you're getting some interest, bitch. And I fucking planted that stuff on the geezer's doorstep. Nice. Yeah. And there was an audible yell the other day. One of, what the fuck? <laughs> and uh, that was definitely directed towards my shenanigans. And let that be a lesson to you. You shit on my fucking doorstep, I'll shit on your face. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to the State Wrestling Address. Say goodbye, Carl Wilkinson. Oh, this is a train wreck. Yeah, nobody's going to listen. I might just kill myself. Oh, shit, we're back to depression again.
I mean, I've grown rather attached. Like, who who else's stairs am I going to sleep under? That's true. That's very true. Well, we'll keep going just so you can have a home, <laughs> you homeless little monkey. Um. So yeah, if you want to, I don't know, donate to the fund to the Get Carl Wilkinson to Britain fund, and you know he's got a PayPal. I've got a PayPal. Hook us up. Oh, by the way, if anyone wants custom trainers, you know, I'm going to be dropping some uh, some images of my first pair soon. So check them out. See what you think. You might like them enough that you want to pair for yourself. Um, but yeah, this has been the State of Wrestling Address. We'll catch you very soon for hopefully not nearly as long content from the WrestleBlog. Yeah. Nobody can see it, but I swear the salutes are getting more sexual every week. You want to know how I got these scars? (laughs) Uh, It's coming on, mate. It's coming on.